Welcome to the show. This is the Power Element Podcast. I'm producer Paul. As always, thanks for joining us. All right, we made it to episode 20, and today our special guest is Steve Leckvold. Steve has put together a great career over the years that has really had a positive impact on so many people. I go ahead and take the host seat on this episode. I have a great conversation with Steve. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Before we get to the show, let me run through a few of our promotional partners. First up, Jelco. Jelco has been getting it right since 1892. Everything from utility, arborist, tower, and windmill products can be found at Jelco Safety on Instagram. Next up, Working Athlete. Let Working Athlete help keep you hydrated during these long summer days. Use promo code POWERELEMENT at checkout to save yourself 20% off. You can find them at Working Athlete on Instagram. Klein Tools. Check them out at Klein underscore tools on Instagram. Uh, you need to get over there. Check out the new 16477 grip. It is the widest range grip on the market from number 6 copper to 477 bare wire. Uh, it has a new and improved grip, so if you're wearing rubber gloves, it's going to be easy to handle. Fits nice. It's compact. It's a great looking grip. Uh, once again, you can find them at client underscore tools. Next up, co-eyewear. For all of your ANSI Z87 needs, me personally, I can't get enough of the A-Face style. I wear them at the rodeos, wear them on the job site, wear them in town. You're good to go. Uh, use promo code POWERELEMENT to save yourself 15% off a checkout. You can find them at co-eyewear on Instagram. All right, next up, line wise. Check out the triple line lifter 300. Designed to work on bucket trucks and digger derricks. This is the next generation of distribution voltage multi-phase live line lifting tools. Whew, it's a tongue twister. Uh, no cross bracing needed to achieve the full capacity of 300 pounds per wire holder. You can find them on Instagram at linewiseup. UP, utility products. Uh, here we go. Next one. Actually, something new. Uh, I want to thank the rodeo partners. Ariat Work and Dragonware underscore FR. Uh, Dragonware, we're going to be wearing them this week in Portland. Uh, it's the clothes you live in, Dragonware. Uh, I got the pro dry gear with the hoodie. Feels great. Um, easy to move in, comfortable, stylish. It hits all those check boxes you want. Uh, once again, Dragonware underscore FR. All right, thank you to Daniel Sanchez, son of journeyman lineman Easy Sanchez. Daniel provides us with all the music. Uh, talented young man. Thank you, Daniel. I'm going to put his information in the show notes. Thank you, Lyman Mama and High Voltage Commando. Last but not least, I want to thank the entire Sturgeon Electric California workforce. Without you, this podcast would not be possible. All right, let's get to the show. You know what time it is. It's go time. Steve Leckvold, episode 20. The Power Element Podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Episode 20 of the Power Element Podcast. I'm producer Paul. Feels good to be back in the studio. All right, my special guest today is a journeyman lineman, a rodeo 
team member here at Sturgeon Electric California slash IBW Local 47. Uh, a retired Air Force veteran, my good friend, Steve, Steve Leck, Leckvold. What's up, Steve? How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Happy to be here. I know, man. You joined the team, uh, the Sturgeon Electric California team last week. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, I, I've been, you and I have been having conversations. We're on the team. We travel together. Uh, I, I do a little more of the media. Obviously, I, I don't participate in the team. Uh, you, Cole, Dan, you guys take care of that and you do a good job. Uh, but you and I have been having a lot of conversations and I thought what a better time but to record some of this conversation and, and get it out there to the masses. Well, I know that um, we consider you a part of the team and we value uh, everything you do for us. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Let me get you in the mic a little bit more. Okay, you got me. There you go. Hey, uh, question. Yeah. Same same chair that Pat Lavin and uh, Tony Vegas sat in? That's the same chair. I didn't clean it or nothing. Oh, so it's, we're off to a good start. See those that? Two, those two guys are uh, legends. They are. They're, they're good. And you're following in the footsteps. And uh, you got to just, you, you're going to have a great story. I love it. And okay. uh, uh, I, I want to get off. A lot of people probably don't know uh, about the young Steve. Poway. Huh? The powerhouse from Poway. Poway Titans. Let's go. What do you got? How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Uh, what, what's going on? Give us that. Yeah, I'll give you a little background. My mom and dad uh, grew up in Watertown, South Dakota. Uh, high school sweethearts. Got married right out of high school. Um, dad joined the Navy next day. I like him already. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Navy uh, guy. Year and a half, two years later, born in Corpus Christi, Texas. So I'm a, I'm a military brat. Grew up on military bases. Uh, my dad's a coach. He's a retired officer. After he did 20 years in the Navy, he, at 38, he retired when he's 38 from the Navy and then went and got a teaching credential and did 20 years teaching, coaching, high school, college. But more, more than that, he coached myself and my brothers from my youngest age, golf clubs in our hand, baseball glove on, basketball so sports were our thing so you you were born in corpus christi is that right yes on, I was. on the base yep and how was that was your dad gone a lot being in the military being a, being a military brat i remember most i don't remember anything about corpus christi because we moved right away but uh his main duty station was uh alameda Na naval air station up there in the bay area oh gotcha and uh the my youngest years of of uh, playing sports uh and being coached by my dad were, would probably, be, that's where, where my memories at. Great childhood, probably moved there in uh, 19, I would guess, 68. And then spent four years on that base, living on that base. Why do you think your dad put you in sports? It's, it's what he did. You know, that's what, he grew up, he was a, uh, his main sport was basketball. That's where, uh, but he's, he's uh we're all very coordinated and very well coached and uh yeah it's just a, it's just a good childhood and then you know when you when you build the family when you raise a family around sports uh you know even today i think of all my parents best friends they are all met through our athletics you know so uh yeah i, I can relate deal. i can relate to you too um my childhood childhood was filled with more sport weekends and and there were vacations. Um, and, and that's good. That's a good thing. I, I learned a lot from sports, like you said. Um, and I created a lot of memories with my family, and I'm sure you did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, 
was your mom, did your mom attend the sports early on too? Was she, was it a, is it a family affair that you guys did? Yeah. Team mom, keeping score. She never worked, you know? And as far as my dad being away from the family, he did his, uh, cruises where he'd, he'd go off, uh, for six, seven months. I remember two or three of them and probably after 72, he didn't do that anymore. He was kind of in the medical field. So he was in the dispensary on the aircraft carriers and then was basically the same thing at his duty stations. He said he retired as a lieutenant commander. Yeah. That's yeah. He, uh, you know, proud as can be, he, he went, uh, to officer candidate school. So, you know, just went from an E1, E2, right into the officer. Uh, what is the Navy? Uh, ensign? Ensign is the first so, one, yeah. Yeah, so he started as an ensign. And, Correct. And, uh, yeah, what a career. Yeah, 20 years went by fast, 38 young. Been drawing a pension ever since. That's good. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and a respectable career and, and uh, just uh, just looking back, too, it's, it's growing up as a military brat, I'm sure it's, it's tough moving around and, and uh, that time spent away apart from each other as a family, it could be tough. Uh, what kind of, was your dad the same at home? Did, did he rule with that, with that, that military fist? No, he didn't. No, no. Uh, you know, mom basically ran the family, you know, and uh, he ran the, when it came to the sports, <laughs> that's where it's a, uh, so when he's when he's coaching, did he single you guys out? I'm, uh, do you, uh, you have any siblings? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have uh, I have two brothers, two sisters, and we're close. Brothers, less than a year older than me, and then younger brothers, two years younger than me. And you're the best looking, correct? Oh, it's not even close. Okay, I just want to make sure. It's lonely at the top. It is. You know? it is. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, how competitive were you and your brothers? And then did your dad coach? As you're, you're my, I'm, you're the coach's son. Yeah. Coach's sons uh, or daughter, however right, you want to. Right. And you're gonna, I'm gonna treat you a little different in the fact that I'm gonna be a little tougher. How was yeah. that? Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, he uh, he was always he, he's always tougher on us than the rest of the team. But how'd you deal with that? I uh, dealt with it fine. You know, it just uh, just I was. You know how we're, we're, you probably know with your brother, you, you're all different. Some are less sensitive. Some are. Uh, he could. He could, he could be harder on me than he could my brother, you know, for instance. So, um, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to, to get me to show emotion. You know, I was just going to work harder. You know, I, I think I always looked at it like when you're challenged with, uh, with adversity, you have like three choices in my mind. You know, you can, a lot of guys, you know, one option is quitting. That's something in my mind never was an option. Second option, and you see this, they'll think, well, the guy thinks little of me. I'll show him worse. And, and the last one, work harder, prove the person wrong. So I, to me, that was always the only choice there was. And, uh, and that's how I, I taught, and that's how I challenged when I started coaching, challenging my team, you know. And, uh, you know, work harder. And when your coach sees it, hopefully takes you aside and says, hey, I see it. Good job. Were you more, and I agree with you on those three, that yeah. it, it is really, I think fundamentally it could really come down to those three. Uh, obviously you can, you can nitpick and, and split hairs, but I think, sure, uh, sure. I think that's, that's a good baseline and, yeah. and a good fundamental uh, competitive foundation of kind of uh, fundamental values when you're competing. Sure. 
But did uh did you fear when you either you missed a play or or uh, you didn't you didn't have that great of a game? Did you fear more of what your dad was going to say, or did you put that peer pressure on yourself? Did you put that pre- that peer? I like that pressure I, yeah, I like what you said there because I can relate to when I started coaching, and uh, if I saw that my players cared, that that they you could see when they when they're disappointed in themselves, then there's no reason for me, you know. We'll get them next time. You know, the, you, they, they show you when they struck out or made an error that they cared. They kicked the dirt. Hopefully kept it, you know, li- not any more than that as far as their, what they showed as far as emotion. Um, but, but, but again, you know, if, if, if you have a player that starts laughing about it, comes to the dugout, yucking it up like he doesn't care about it, then you need to have a discussion. So, um, yeah, I think, I think my dad always knew that I was hard on myself. If you're hard on yourself, then there's no reason for him to jump, jump on me, you know? So he knew that you're going to hold that in. You're going to hold yourself accountable for, sure, for sure. a bad game or just not the right mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I was super competitive. Uh, and I, I remember very vividly when, uh, kindergarten soccer, I mean, I mean yeah. keeping the score and, uh, I wanted to quit because we were losing and no one, I think I was I me mean, myself and another player were the only ones who scored a goal. And I, I told my parents, I was like, I want to quit like this. These, they're not, they don't care. They're, they're, they're picking the, the, the grass. They're counting, they're chasing butterflies. And, uh, eventually I, I think I took like a game off and I came back at, I came back at it. But, uh, I like you, I think that's how you and I really share a bond of just that, that competitiveness. I, I see it in you. To, I mean, to this day, still just competing and, and wanting to inspire others to compete at a high level uh, at the rodeos or just in life. Um, it's a good time. Uh, Steve, when you look back at your childhood, I'm talking about early childhood in these early sports moments, are those the ones that stick out and, and you hold a value of that time of a family together? I, I, I can remember my dad yelling in the stands, it was kind of quiet and he'd always yell my name and I, I could still like hear that name and it was just his way of supporting. Do you have a, a similar experience? Uh, not really, but you know, uh, I could still remember 1968 <laughs> and my, my dad may have been away on a cruise. So we may have been coached my brother and I by someone else, but you know, we didn't even have, they had a banquet at the end. We made all stars and I still have that little trophy 1968 All-Stars, the Woodstock Seals there in Alameda. And uh, that trophy, even to this day, it's one of my most prized possessions. You know, it was just, it was a big deal. It was a surprise. And, uh, and, and again, now you want more. So, uh, yeah, no, childhood was fantastic. I, all good memories. What sports were you really good at? You know, I think I told you I was a heavy kid, so I fought my way from the moment I was a little guy, I was a chubby guy. But one thing, myself, my brothers, we all have great coordination. If I picked my favorite sport, it would be basketball. You know, I always said when people talked about being an athlete and being coordinated, I like I said, let me see you on the basketball, basketball court because that's where, you know, dribbling, uh, shooting the ball, Everything, uh, quickness, agility, coordination. So I fought my weight, but I would say basketball, even though I never played. Uh, I played on a competitive team as an adult. I joined, I joined a couple adult leagues, but all through school, I never played it. My, my older brother did, 
And uh, I'll never forget, he got to go to John Wooden's uh, basketball camp. Oh, nice. When he, when he was about 13 or 14, I learned about the Pyramid of Success. Uh, so, And for those listeners, John Wooden, Hall of Fame, uh, UCLA basketball coach, uh, very, very well uh, respected and just, uh, like, I wrote that book. I, I don't know the title of the book, but... Uh, yeah. Just a, a real winner. And a I've, real, I've read numerous books by him. I, I, I love everything about his quotes, his attention to detail, uh, focusing on the little things. It's okay if we talk a little bit about him? No, man, do it. It's I, your, I mean, it's when, your show. when you talk about leadership, you know, th- these are guys I look to, like Wooden and Pat, General Patton. And, but uh, the one that, the, as you read about him, one of the first things he did with his teams was he taught them how to put their socks on. And wear their shoes right because you get blisters, you can't perform. And the next thing he did, because he he conditioned his team to be the most conditioned team on the court, is he forced his opponents to take the first time out. So he, we're going to run you so hard that you know, and that and it's just that that mentality of uh, we got you now. Once yeah. you take that first time out, yeah. Then he knows I got you. Like you, you need a breather. And that's in that's you think about sports, you think about rodeo, you think about right. the physical as- aspect. But there's also that mental chess that you're playing that, that yeah. you're trying to get the advantage. And I know you still hold that. We'll get to that later. Rodeo talk later. I'll tell you one more. If yeah. It's go, okay. Yeah. Just um, uh, give me a favorite slide. There you go. Right I want there. You, yeah, I want that beautiful voice. <laughs> okay. There we go. Yeah. It just uh, this is a really because he's a guy that that he made rules. He was demanding, and the rules applied to everybody when it came to the team. And uh, the the great story is when uh, Bill Walton was in his senior year, his team captain, uh, coming back, one of the first things they do is they uh, show up day one, what we call 3510 in the Air Force, but it was just your appearance, your haircut, had, 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 had regulations. And uh, Bill went to him a couple hours before the, uh, the photo. And he, and if you can picture that picture of, of him riding his bike, that 10 speed with hair down to his shoulders, big beard, oh, he's yeah. really active in the, uh, uh, the Vietnam war conflict and all that. So he goes to coach and he says, listen, he goes, I'm a team captain. I'm, this is part of who I am. This is my image in regards to my, and what I'm doing away from the team. And I think I should be able to wear my hair like this this year. Wooden looks, he looks at him, he says, hey, you know something, I respect you. And I respect what you, you know, how convicted you are and what you're doing away from the team. And we're going to miss you. <laughs> Team's going to miss you. So he got on that 10-speed road down there and got himself a haircut. I've heard him tell that story, that same story in the broadcast booth, you know. And, uh, and inevitably it's like, well, you know, what if he, what if he cut you? And he goes, I asked him, and he goes, "Only I know the answer to that." Oh, but, wow! You know, but he—that gave me chills. Yeah, w- would never told him, but yeah, no, he would have cut him. Then Bill Walton goes down as a Hall of Fame. Yeah, team's gonna miss you. The team's gonna miss you. <laughs> You're gonna either uh, uh, comply, or you will see you down the road. No, no, it's yeah. that team mentality. No, no one person is is bigger than the objective. It's tough, but I mean, it's more than just a haircut at that point. It's are you gonna be? Are you gonna be that person that team wants you to be? Yeah. And when we talk about uh, later, we'll talk. Like I said, we'll talk about the rodeo. It's it's really that team mentality. Uh, so John Wooden, great. What a great mind for you to try to pick. And it, I think you gravitate easily because you found that competitive spirit and you find that that message of leadership. Sure. 
translatable or transparent or uh, uh, just really easy to digest for you. And, and that's, that's cool. I mean, for, to hear you rattle off some of these stories, it's pretty cool. It's funny that, you know, he, he's a guy that never talked about winning or losing. If we prepared, then it'll take care of itself, you know. So then you got Lombardi on the other side and somebody tells him one time, he goes, you know, it, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. It's how you play the game. He looks at me, he goes, well, why do they keep score then? (laughs) (laughs) Two different principles, but yes, man, just two legendary coaches. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's go. uh, Let's go. Give me through your teenage years. What's going on there? When'd you go to Poway? When'd you go to Poway? Yeah. Is it too far? My dad's, uh, no, that's good. My dad's last duty station was MCRD Yeah. down there uh, by the airport. And uh, we settled in Poway. We, we had kind of moved up and down the coast in the Navy and then went out to Bethesda, Maryland, uh, probably when I was 12, 72, came back. So when he was, he was at, sorry, is it Maryland? Was he at the academy or? He was at the Naval Hospital in Bethesda. Okay. He was stationed there. All right, thank you. So then we, duty station, came back to Balboa Naval uh, yes. Hospital there. Yeah. So we were kind of apartment down in the Chula Vista area, 1972, uh, I believe, probably 73, 74, they bought the house in Poway where I, I consider home, where, where I was raised. Where they have a statue of you still. <laughs> the, some people call it the house that Leck built. <laughs> I, I just heard that recently. <laughs> so your par- And your parents still live in the same house? No, they just sold it recently and uh, went into kind of a retirement community, okay, but they're right. close. They're, they're Rancho Bernardo, so it's right there, Poway. And that house, that original house in 73, that was owned still there, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah, it's still there. You know, I think they paid thirty eight thousand dollars for it in seventy four, and they sold it for a good amount, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, um, what was I'm, your okay? What was your teenage years like then? Yeah, so um, same thing. You know, uh, my brother and I are close, so like I said, he's a year older. We're typically on the same teams, same group of friends. Um, it can be a hassle sometimes, but uh, but it was good. You know, same thing, playing sports, playing baseball, playing. Uh, then I started playing football. Uh, in fact, I sat out my freshman year. Of sports? Of football. Why? Uh, like I said, I've, I was always fighting my weight, confidence level, um, and didn't really consult with my dad on it. But when I came home and he found out I wasn't on the team, <laughs> he basically said, you will play. Or life at home is going to be something you don't want to deal with. Sure. So um, I got in the gym between my freshman, sophomore year, put on some muscle, uh, and played played on the JV sophomore. What was the battle? I'm, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what was the battle? You had this this weight issue you talked about, but you you were athletic and you knew you wanted to be a certain physique. And and I know you said you probably weren't the most probably weren't the fastest, yeah, the strongest. But you're the most coordinated. But at least you wouldn't you wouldn't have that drive to keep that weight in check. What, what was going on? Uh, it's hard to explain. Um, uh, I just I never really got any uh, direction from my parents as far as my weight. You know, it was always I was overweight. But in that same time frame between freshman and sophomore, my dad challenged me to get in shape. There you go. You know, start to to you start running and and lose weight and uh, put you know and that started it. It was, it was a tough, uh, it was a tough summer, but I think I probably lost 20 pounds and was in the gym the whole time. I came back a lot more confident and usually 
it did whether it was football, baseball, once I got my cleats on the field, then it's go time. Yes. I, I had a desire to be, I've always had a desire to be better than the next guy at whatever I do. And that doesn't mean I've ever said that I am, but it drives me. I can't, you know, it, it drives me to work harder. So it's always, it's, that's always been a good thing for me. Did you get any looks uh, as far as um, your sports taking you to a next, another level? No, I'll tell you something though. That's that, on before our last game of my senior season, our coach, we had a team meeting and our coach told us all, you know, this is probably the last time you'll ever play, you know, for you seniors, you'll probably, you'll never play football again. And I took that. It, it, it affected me. I'm like, I'll be danged if you're going to tell me that uh, I can't play anymore. So because of that statement, I went and played in junior college. I went and played. So, um, yeah. Now, what a jump. Now, probably in high school, between 210, 220, that was my weight right around there. Same height I am now. You saw 220. You showed me pictures earlier about your photo album, and you had some nice, and you look good. Yeah, yeah. You had a prime. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I would have had it in high school. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, those were after high school. But um, where was I? Uh, junior college. Yeah, junior college. So 210, 220 in high school back then, 77, 78. Big boy. Good size. Yeah, you know, good there's, size. There's, I'm, there's three kids on the team that, ha- that are as heavy as I am. Well, what a jump to junior college. I'm an offensive lineman. I play tackle, offensive tackle in high school. Now I'm around guys that are 300 pounds. Hang on, were you left tackle? Right. Uh, yeah. The blind side. Yeah. And um, so it was hard. But, you know, I, I stuck it out, didn't didn't start for him, but I, I played a season just to just to prove to myself and prove that guy wrong that, you know, don't, don't, you're not telling me I'm done playing. I'll decide when I'm done playing. I'll decide. When, <laughs> I'll tell you when I'm done, when you hang up the cleats. So with yeah. that last one season, junior college? One season. That's cool. And it, I always hear, uh, I never made that transition. I always wanted to. I had a yeah. better, I had a better uh, track uh I was a better track athlete, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember that speech too. It, this is for most of you seniors to be your last, yeah, last time you hit those cleats, you get right. those cleats on, those pads, and yeah, it's still something like you wish. I wish I was a five-year senior, you know, or something like that, because yeah. it it was fun, man. High school football was fun. I, I got hurt uh, a couple times, and it, it made me miss some games, but man, it was it was a good time. Yeah, good time, and you learn a lot. You know, it's funny. Oh, uh, Mario Mendez was our our head coach there at Palomar Junior College. <laughs> the one thing I remember is I don't know if we were up in the game, big down in the game, but I got in, and uh, whatever happened on the play, I got a finger that's dislocated. Nice. And I look down, and it's sticking out to the side. So I come over to the sidelines, and uh, I, my fingers hurt, Coach. He takes my finger and he yanks it, puts it back in. And he goes, "Hey, you need to know the difference between pain and injury, son." <laughs> that was just pain. Injuries, pain. injuries, bone out of flesh. Anything else, just pain. Team needs you. Get your butt back in there. You know? you gotta, I've, I've used that line a thousand times. You know, pain good, and injury. That's a good one. And then, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about an era when the coaches would do that. Now, now they won't touch you. Yeah, you yeah. to the, the training specialist. But out of that season, I think that's uh, <laughs> I that's my best memory of JC. Dislocated finger and a, a quote you can still use yes, this day. Yeah, it's a beauty. But it was bone out of flesh. Yeah. His injury. That's a good one. Anything else, just pain. Uh, so what happens? He kept that off. What's what's going on now? How's your relationship with your parents throughout throughout all this? I mean, what's what's going on? Uh, well, it, it's you know, my dad had a rule that if uh, 
Well, my parents had a rule. If you're going to college, you could stay at home. Sure. Okay. Well, I was, I was wanting to get out of the house and I'm not sure if I was out of the house at that time, but I was trying to do, I was trying to work, play football, go to school. And where are you working? I was working on a construction job as a laborer. I just, uh, met a guy at the gym. He gave me a phone number, called a guy, went down there. They put a pick and shovel in my hand and the legend was born, boy. The the guy came back at lunchtime and I had like a, he expected me to take three days on the thing. And I was like 10 feet away from having it done when he showed up. So you got to slow down, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting because I think when minimum wage, my first job, two sixty five an hour. What, what year is this? Sorry. Uh, probably 77. Gotcha. 77. And then, uh, between 77 and 81, it was just chasing another quarter an hour. And, um, and then my dad had saw that, you know, I, I wasn't doing well in school, you know, was supporting myself with a roommate, but really nothing in the future. And how can you weren't doing well at school? You focus more on work. That, yeah. That, that, yeah. Like the money. Just, yeah. Just, and, and college wasn't for me. It really wasn't. I, I didn't do well enough in high school to, to do well in, in college. Why'd you and go to college then? What was the, what was the drive to push? To it's go to just, co- that's what the family, that's what the parents expected of us. Gotcha. And, and you had, you had no say you had, you didn't, I mean, I know you're young and you're just trying to abide yeah. by mom and pop, but oh. right. It was uh go in the military. If you want to not go to school, move out, get a job. Well, there wasn't, you know, for a guy just out of high school, there wasn't, I didn't have any real opportunity. I had a few friends that were, got into union jobs that, uh, obviously you got your eyes on that saying, Hey, you know, if something comes up, help me out, but just never materialized. So at that point, if I was asked Steve Leckville, what'd you want to do? Would you want to be still kind of undecided, still just kind of buying time? Yeah. Undecided. But let me tell you what happened. My dad saw what was happening. Sure. And he, and he challenged me to go into the military, but go into the reserves and, uh, go, go in the reserves, choose, choose, does, I don't care which one you choose. You'll go to you, you'll report to your reserve unit and you're going to meet people from all walks of life. All you're going to, you're going to be presented with a ton of opportunities to find something for you to be productive, you know, be a good citizen to, you know, to get on with your life. So I took his advice, uh, went in the Air Force in 81. I was 21 years old, so I was a little older. And uh, did my basic training in school in Texas. Uh, came back and probably... Lackland? Lackland. Lackland. Yeah, for um, basic training. And then uh, Wichita Falls for, I think, I. well, we'll talk about it. I was in aerial port for the majority of my career in the military but started as a power production specialist. And that was just working on generators and paralleling them and just learning about them. Um, went to that school, was successful, probably reported to my, my Air Force unit in either late 81 or early 82. Walked in, a uh, guy about my age comes up, shakes my hand. We become friends. Turns out he's a journeyman lineman. The rest, and that that's, I always tell people, my career in this trade started with a handshake. <laughs> and it, it's just like dad, he had the perfect plan. And here I am, what, almost 39 years, 40 years later. Best decision. Yes. Let's go back real quick. Uh, yeah. 
why the Air Force? And did you have other options as far as the other branch? Did you, what, what made you choose the Air Force? Well, like I said, my dad was career Navy. And um, my thought, knowing just a little, that if I went in the reserves in the Navy, I, would th- I was thinking, why would they ever send you anywhere other than the coast of California? As far as, you know, you don't... You have those annual tours, so you do one week in a month, and fifteen days a year you go on a you go on a tour somewhere. So it ended up being a perfect decision because I got to see the world, uh, being in the reserves for twenty one years. Yeah, thank you for your service. Twenty years is amazing, and uh, uh, there's no moment where you don't show your ID. If opportunity comes, you show it to me. Yeah, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to get some discounts or. Yeah, you always remind me you got that nice little green card. It's nice. Well, I'm earned. I'm proud of it. And I'm, sure. I'm patriotic and I'm proud to have served, you know, and it's funny that uh, I never thought about it until this Veterans Day. And, uh, and because most people, they just they got the day off, but don't put any real thought into what they're celebrating. And as I thought about it, the thing I'm proud of is that I swore an oath. That's, that's the thing, you know, I raised my hand and swore an oath and that's, uh, voluntarily, you know, and I, I went to the other veterans and I said, you know, this is what I, what I thought of guys. So be proud of what you did and remember you swore an oath. So. Absolutely. And to the point of that, when you, when you get out, when you discharge, however long that may be, you don't, you don't sign anything to, to unswear or to, 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 uh, to not disclose that oath. Like you, once you, you can choose to to live your life under that oath and still kind of just kind of use it as a guide. Uh, I do. I, I love being a veteran. Um, uh, my time frame is obviously different, but Steve, but we share that same passion once again uh, of, of being a veteran and, and representing the veteran community. Uh, any, any key highlights from your, your, I know you said you traveled, but was there any other good stories that, that, that come to your mind that bring value to the conversation? Sure. You know, um, well, I like to tell people because the people that don't know uh, the grades of, of, of the military, you know, I was a tech sergeant. I, I retired a tech sergeant in E6. And the, the best way I could explain that is I was uh, a tech sergeant is an e-crew foreman. Basically, you're running a crew. You know, you're not you're not administrative. You know, you get the E7, E8, you're administrative, you're your uh, your management team. Yeah, like middle management, upper exactly. level, you know, right there. Yeah, exactly. But I got the chance to do two rodeos, airlift rodeos, in in the Air Force. So this be military style rodeos. Yes, airlift. Yeah, yeah. So you know, from international, it's uh, teams from all over the world come to McCord Air Force Base up in Washington, and um, Olympia, Washington, and it's a week of just uh, competition from your your wait a week full week but i only had two events my two events were an obstacle running the obstacle course uh and i'm sure you've seen it or done that but the full-on obstacle course and the and then the technical part of it was an engine running on load offload so the plane lands i was actually the driver you got a you got a trailer in front a trailer behind I, i drive that trailer up to the ramp guys run back this happened behind me they, un- they unhooked the trailer i pushed the first trailer up the ramp into the belly the guys unhook it run it back into a spot back up turn around they roll that trailer into on the back panel hook now 
Then I back that trailer and truck into the plane and we chain everything down for time. So for a week up there, the obstacle course was half an, I don't know. I don't know how long it was. I was in good shape back then though. So, but uh, you're, I, well, you're only as good as your weakest guy in your team. Oh, sure. So as you, as this four man team is doing the obstacle course, uh, you, you keep, you stay as a team and you help each other through the obstacles. So great experience. You're uh, kind of brushing over something, Steve, and I'm what? a little disappointed. Did yeah. you get first or not? Um, no, that's why you're not bringing it up. No, we didn't. And uh, that's a tough one because I had no idea how the scoring system worked. Trophies were beautiful, <laughs> beautiful trophies. I do remember those, but no, Lech don't have one. <laughs> it's still eating you up a little bit, you know. Uh, I mean, I I know we had that 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 event with that engine running on load offload. That we had that down to a science. We practiced the heck out of it. So I think um, you guys are the listeners. If you're not noticing now, uh, obviously I know the side of Steve. He's extremely competitive. So I know the fact that he did not win this event. It, it it's it it eats at him. But I I rest assured, Steve has plenty of trophies. Every time we win now, he, he, he gives it to Raul. He gives it to uh, the local. He gives it to Sturgill Lecture, California. I have one here in my office behind me, uh, thanks to Steve, because the man has a, uh, a house full of trophies, if you will. Uh, what else? What else? Anything else in the military? Did you, uh, did you meet any leaders? Is there any um, points of interest that stick out, really, that can bring value to the, the conversation once again? No, the, the, the two rodeos were a great experience. Um, it was a different environment. You know, when I first went in, and came to my reserve unit, we were an active duty base. So we were, uh, on the weekends, we were doing live missions. Sure. And, um, and then, uh, I can't remember what year that we became a reserve base and it kind of changed the mission. It was a lot, it was all training, no real live mission. And it, uh, it, it wasn't as enjoyable, but you know, I, I, I think I told you I did 12 years and then I separated for a year. Uh-huh. And then Yvonne and I uh, sat down and and said, you know, this is important. Let's let's stick it out. Let's get a retirement out. It's going to pay dividends, you know. So so st- stayed out a year. Then came back and found a um, a job that I could uh, I could uh, what we call JOC. You didn't have to go to a tech school. You could just take tests and and learn in the books. Do it on the computer, basically. So is a. Uh a big picture decision to go ahead and get back in yeah. and finish it. Cause once you, it's either, I always say, and I'm for anyone joining, obviously I'm a proponent of just, Hey man, good, good one, four years of some good, good times and some great, uh, meeting some great people join the military. You can figure it out after that. Um, you, you, to the point is you do four years or you do 20 stay sticking in, uh, anything in between is just, it's just, it's right, it's right there. So yeah. uh, I'm glad you guys had that talk. And, and I, like I said, we, I met that journeyman lineman in 81, uh, right at 82. It took a couple years to get hired into the trade. So I hired it in at 84. So as I was going through those first, uh, those next 10 years, uh, as uh, you know, I'm younger and I'm seeing the difference in, in pay compared to a reserve weekend or going to work at some OT. Sure. So I was starting to make some, some, some bad decisions I was starting to miss when I shouldn't be missing. And, um, and basically when it came, my enlistment came up, you know, that's when I said, Hey, let's just enough's enough. Let's get out. And 
you know, you're so, when you're young, you're so driven just to support the family and make money. You miss a lot and, and, and miss some of the balance. But like I said, I stayed out a year, um, approached it again with Yvonne. And then we decided together that it was, it'd be beneficial sure, right to get on. back in and stick it out. And, uh, Yvonne being your, your, your love of your life, uh, we'll, we'll get to that point. Uh, yeah. but that that's, that's his wife he's referring to. Um, <laughs> One last question, military. We'll transition to are you already, you're getting into the uh, the the fact of you getting into the trade. Uh, one last question. I love to ask it. Uh, it's just a, just a. I believe it. If you served and you're you're kind of in or going in at that time, it, it's it's pretty impactful for me. So I want to share my compassion with it or my share my passion with it. Where were you, September 11th, 2001? Yeah, I was. Uh, I could see it in the crew room. So you're in the, you're in the crew room, getting ready to go to work. Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, shock. Uh, I don't know if it clicked right away. I think it did, though. It's hard to remember, but it, that that uh, that we were under attack. I what where the emotional part of it for me is when people were throwing themselves out of those buildings. That's just something that. Uh, you know, you can't be an American, you know, without and see that and not draw emotion on you. That was a difficult thing to see. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think we talked your time frame. 2003, you get out of the military and this is 2001, obviously. Right. And you're a grown man. You understand the value of, of, of being a provider. You have a family at this time. And you're seeing people, like you said. Right. Jump. Yeah. And that's a, um, you know, um, I never got the opportunity to be activated. You know, I'm full on. We have kids, got a job, uh, supporting a family. I feel like I missed something a little bit. You know, I, I didn't feel like, uh, you know, obviously if I get activated, that's a great thing. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. It's go time. It just didn't happen. The reason I have that extra year is because of 9-11 that they – put a stop on anyone retiring. So required me to stay that one extra year. Then they lifted that uh, stop loss and I was able to retire. Do you, but, remember, do you remember that? So obviously you reserved at that point in time, you were working uh, at the utility, but do you remember your first day back into your reserve unit after that, after that, uh, the 9-11? Yeah, I do. It was, uh, you know, the, the uh, threat level had went up so far and I'm not exactly what it was, but now you have tanks at the front gate. You have K rail set up. Yeah. Uh, they have dogs sniffing. It uh, it really changed things on the base for uh, you know for for about a year. It felt like sure. Uh, yeah. 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 It does. Uh, so, it, it changed a lot. Uh, and then I got in in 2002. Um, actually, it was September 11, 2002. I left yeah. from boot camp. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, man, thanks for your story. That's a good story. Um, all right, see, let, let's get in, let's, uh, switch gears. Uh, so you talk about your, your introduction to the, to the, the trade is a handshake. Uh, w- what's with the handshake? Tell me about this handshake. Well, it's, it's, it's so it's, I don't know if it just was meant to be the guy that shook my hand. We're the exact born on the same day, same age, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and. 
and it and then the thing is, you know, again, I'm I think I was roofing then, probably making four fifty an hour. And uh and uh this guy, new truck, always had money, you know. Always oh, in lineman. Yes. So I mean you could even see uh well again, we're the same age. So I'm twenty two, he's twenty two. You feel like he's, uh, he's ahead, you being that competitive, he's ahead of you in life. But remember, yeah, we're all, I'm in this huge unit with people from all walks of life in this unit. And uh, the the older the older guys didn't take too kindly to him because he didn't have any problem flaunting Some money. <laughs> where he was at in life, you know. Gotcha. So, um, but as a guy being the same age, I'm just like, show me the way. Show me the way. I had no idea what I, you know, it's just, I knew what he was doing. Uh, he told me enough about the trade that, uh, you know, it just, it just spoke to me. So when he, when he offered to help me through it, I'm like, let's do it. That's cool. Yeah. And, and uh, if you know anything about Leck, you, you have a conversation with him, you're going to like the guy. So I can, I can imagine at that point in your stage too, it just a couple conversations with that guy. He's going to be like, yeah, this is the guy we want in the trade. And uh, uh, take me through that. So you started as a groundman? Yeah. This is a funny story. You're <laughs> like this one. Because again, I have no idea. What he didn't. Mean? He didn't tell me enough. <laughs> so I I hire in thinking I'm going to. Uh, I've never really left home. Sure. I've been in Poway, you know. So I drive up to Rosemead. Think I'm going to uh, Palm Springs. Sure. So I've got my. I've got. My, I'm all geared up for Palm Springs. <laughs> okay. Uh, report to Etowah to steam. <laughs> you know. So right away, I'm just like. What I get myself into? Where am I going to live? I don't have any idea about per diem that they're going to take care of me. I'm just like, I'm away from a home and my car, you know. So I show up there at Etowah Esteem. This other journeyman lineman comes up and says hello and uh, say hi. You know, who are you? And I, I just started here today. He goes, so you're the you're the new fucking grunt. And <laughs> I... I Immediately, you know, I'm just like, I'm Poway. I'm a Poway, you know, I'm a Poway boy. A fucking grunt, you know? So about, so then he goes, says to another guy comes by and he goes, hey, this is Leck. He's a new fucking grunt. And uh, right there, I I was ready. I go, hey, Come on. this grunt shit's going to stop right <laughs> now. <laughs> I go, I'm ready. I'll throw it all away right now. Let's go. I'm ready to fight. <laughs> You're talking about getting off on the wrong foot. Then it's just introducing me to everybody. Hey, this is Steve. Don't call him a grunt. He don't like that. If you don't know anything about the trade, once you say that, it, it's, it's going to be tenfold. It's They're double down and calling you grunt and, yeah. and letting you know that. I couldn't have been more insulted. Oh, yeah. And I, but I didn't have a clue. Sure. You know, so, it. you know, there was a, there was a couple haters, but. Like I said, you said, you get to know me, you're going to like me. And then I was a little older. I was 24. Sure. And uh, had the military, but I took a beating. You know, I they were a rough group, a rough group to come up with. I remember one of the first things that I did right on the crew was uh, we were loading up in the morning and another crew cab pulled up and the lineman started yelling at me to load their truck. Mm. And now they had me with the young apprentice. I was riding with him and he told me you need to load their truck. I said, I'm not loading their truck. You can go load their truck. You know, you're you, I go load their truck. Now I'm a punk, you know, they got me. So, so then, uh, you know, then you're, 
it, it gets crazy out there in uh, the old Ian's, uh, the old world where I used to work, you know, building towers. Cause that was an outfit that, that we, you know, first we're building 220 lines. We're working with cranes. We're stringing 1590, 2156. So and, uh, let's take it back. So you yeah. did, you start in transmission. Yeah. You start yeah. transmission. Line. Yeah. Start in transmission. And, uh, the, the, actually the, um, the job classification was new. Uh, it was a, um, construction lineman doesn't exist anymore at least in that company and um everyone else was lineman splicers sure so uh you know i that 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 it was a rogue outfit that uh we got a lot of work done and kind of people just don't ask don't tell and uh but it was a great experience you know it really was that's good that's good how, how long did you stay a groundman before you got that up it was just six months you know it, you were you were rolling uh you know, the apprenticeship was lacking in that, that division, just because if you're showing up and you're working hard that you progress every six months. That's cool. Yeah. Um, how'd you take to climbing towers and, and get all that stuff done? What would what, you think? You yeah. Again, just my competitiveness, my, uh, uh, you know, and that will to be the best at it served me really well. You know, I, I learned really quick as we were constructing towers that, there were strategic moves to be made to get a bolt in or get a drift pin in to make a pin, what we call a pin. And uh, they would always, if the, since I was a low man, I would have to climb a leg that didn't have step bolts on it. Sure. So, but because I was athletic and strong, I could scale up that leg and, and throw a bolt in the hardest, the hardest pin. Then I could come back down work all the easy stuff next thing i know i hear a, a journeyman on the other leg yelling eh, you, you know you, you screwed me like get up there and take that nope i'm not taking you know they're 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 20 feet away from me they can't get me i can go down up around you're not getting me but i'm not i'm not pulling that boat you know you should have been smart enough to get up there and stick it in especially with step bolts on the dang leg you that's know? a leg move i love it oh yeah, yeah. Big, there's a there's call a call again big hold there's a video up in Shaver Lake and uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's still there. They have like a, cause they have those tunnels up there sure. and they, and uh, they took a video of us building a 220 line up there. And I was wearing a pair of uh, charger powder blue sweats <laughs> and my Poway Titan half top, top Jersey. Showing off that midriff. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, I, I remember the guys coming, God dang, Leck, couldn't you put some clothes, you know, wore something nicer for that video, you know, but this is my nice clothes. Yeah. I'd like to go back someday and see if they're still showing that video. Archived. What <laughs> yeah. not to do, what not to wear. Uh, all right, let's, let's that sounds great. But, uh, yeah, oh, go I was going to backtrack to, no, um, sure. your show, baby, where Poopsie comes into this. Okay. You yeah. Know? Uh, Yvonne, so, Yvonne, your wife. Yeah. And, uh, um, I can't call her Poopsie. Yes, you can. All She's right. a legend. That sounds, it's just, those, those. <laughs> What do they call cat names or or cute names for other dudes' wives? It's just yeah. And then we're we're at your but, uh, but you know that's how I refer to her, and that's how and that's how everybody receives her. It's awesome. So, but yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I was uh, like I said, I was doing construction work. I was in the reserves. I went down to a party in Poway, and um, she had just uh, got out of high school. They had a pool table at this party. Uh. We decided the men basically did. Let's get teams together so everybody gets a chance to participate. So I approached her, introduced myself, asked her to shoot pool with me. They couldn't get us off the table. 
What was it about? Just, huh? What was it? Long hair? Just what was it? Oh, uh, just yeah, just, just a, everything. She, she's half Japanese, half American, beautiful, um, and then not to mention she could hold her own on the table. So you know, she took your money. Yeah, she put three or four in, and we held that table as long as we wanted to hold hold that table. So she, so it sounds like it was just love at first sight for you. Yeah, what really about for was. her? Was she trying she's, to get? She's trying to get rid of you for. <laughs> well, the Leckville boys, uh, we had a reputation in Poway, and uh, and I'm I'm five years older than she is, so she's just out of high school. She's eighteen. I'm twenty three, and uh, I, th- I I I blame my younger brother for most of the bad rep. <laughs> <That's> good, <laughs> but good. but I'm glad she, you know, because there was people telling her, yeah, you can't go with Leckville. That's that's a bad move, you know. But uh, like I said, we've we once we got together, we've been together ever since. Uh, yeah, 84, married in 85, moved into a new house and started a family. Um, I, I want to get back into, we're getting yeah, back to family yeah. later. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and I don't want to cut it short. I, I, we're not, they're very important in your life, and we're, sure. we're going to cover it next. Um, so let me keep, let me stay on this, uh, the trade. Uh, your journeyman, you, you, what, you get your journeyman ticket. What, what's that like? What's that feeling like for you? Yeah, it's feeling good. And I should, you know, mention that April 9th, 1984, proud uh, IBW Local 47 member for going on, pushing 39 years. Thank you. That's so, amazing. And, uh, but yeah, I, I was in that division building towers and then, and then moved to a sub transmission job based on a supervisor came to me in the field. And just said, hey, 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 I think they called me Volts back then. I've had some nicknames along the way. Volts? I'm, I'm proud of them all. Volts was first, uh, CP, Coach. Coach is my favorite. That's complete my pa- that's, complete package. Yeah, Leck, I kind of put that on myself. Yeah. Gotcha. But uh, he, he called me over to the truck and just said, I've got a job for you, you know, and I think you should take it. I want you to go down and meet this guy. And uh, so I did. And that's how I left one division, went to another division. And, um, I was a six step apprentice, so I wasn't journeyman yet, Okay, but we had some things happen with towers right in that same time frame, where I had the expertise to take over and, and give direction and run the job and show leadership. So it was just, it was, I was going to make journeyman anyways, but having that happen, that opportunity to show how to rig ladders and work with the helicopter and you know, tell the guys, you know, uh, wear your rubber gloves, let that stuff ground itself. <laughs> you, sure. you know, my, I know my first, uh, op, my first, uh, time with a helicopter, I got hit pretty good with static. Static is no joke. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, uh, based on that performance, just like, I think when I sat down for my journeyman interview, it was like, Steve, you're a journeyman. So let's get that out. Of the, let's get out of the way right there. And then go on to tell you how much he appreciated my leadership on that and uh but no it, it felt great it really did what were you like as a young dreamer did you take on that leadership role did you keep that that coach mentality did you did you, did you yeah just put your nose down and start working yeah i you know and i think this is indicative of a lot of young apprentices that are like me that i was i was a handful because i I, I thought so highly of myself that uh, I can be I can be ornery I can be mean. Sure. Uh, I have one relationship 
that uh, even today, after almost 40 years, it's still strained over how I treated a groundman. Sure. You know, how rough I was with them. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you grow out of it. Mm. You grow out of it. And then you, then you, then you realize that um, some, some of the things of how you were treated, you know, you think to yourself, why would I carry on that tradition and tr- treat someone else the same way? You know, I didn't like it. So, you know, I, I took on the mentality of that. Uh, there's no reason to carry on that tradition of, uh, you know, abusive behavior. You know how it can, you've heard of it happening before. Yeah. Uh, so I was one that just said, I didn't like it. So I'm not going to do it to someone else as I, as I matured through it. And, um, but, but I'm no angel. I had my, uh, I had my, my, there's times. No, absolutely. When I did things I wasn't proud of, you know? No, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of us, uh, I'll speak for myself, actually, uh, we do have points in our time when we, we could have been better leaders and could have handled stuff different and it impacted relationships. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're able to mature and, and try to mend those relationships and say, hey, man, you know, I was a knucklehead or right. I, I didn't know, I didn't know the impacts of me being a knucklehead would have, would have, would have had. I really wished that time we had together, I could have shaped you in a better, better way. Cause I could have been a better leader and I could have sure. helped you a long way. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's tough. It's tough when, when, uh, you can't let go of it and, and move forward and, 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 you know, and say, Hey man, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm, cause I'm thinking of somebody that I knew that, uh, it was strained, but I didn't thought I'd ever see him again sure. until, 20 years later, we're working in the same spot. And we've passed each other a couple of times and I've noticed uh, the dirty looks and then I, and then it clicks. Ooh, you know, that's him. Yeah. So one day we're walking by each other and I stepped right in front of him. And I just, st- st- you know, I put my hand out and I go, Hey, you know, the great thing about getting older and wiser is you can let bygones be bygones. So, you know, I go, I apologize, <laughs> you know, for what I did back there. I know, I know, you know who, I know who you are. You know who I am. So I'm just going to put it out there and, uh, let's move forward. Sure. So, How do they go with him? Uh, depends. Man to man. We're fine. We're, we're, but, but when he has an audience, he likes to, he likes to raz it up a little bit, raz it up. Like, you know, I, I let him, I let him do it. I deserve it. That's fine. <laughs> and that's big of you. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have, you could have just chose not to step in front of him, but I mean, like you said, it comes to maturity. Uh, yeah. Roger Edinger, uh, we've had in the podcast before. He, he talks about uh, talks about maturity and uh, just that growth as a human, and the growth of of being a leader. Um, and and we recognize it. Sometimes it's a little too late, but uh, hopefully, with you sharing your message, if anyone's going through that right now, they could they could they can nip it in the butt and make that change. So. Sure, sure. Um. All right, Steve. So when you go to distribution, obviously, uh, you you're you're, you're now. Transmission, sub-transmission. When do you make that switch to distribution? Uh, I would say about uh, 98, 1998, 99, right in there. And, um, yeah, you know, that's a thing. You know, I've got a great support system at home, which is has supported me military, transmission, sub-transmission. There's a lot of out-of-town, a lot of staying in hotels. Sure. But at a certain point, you want to get close to home. And I'd probably been... For the most of my career, I'd be driving 50 miles one way in traffic 
And so obviously, you know, it's just like, I need, I need to get to that, that spot close to my house. So, um, I started putting in transfers to the places right close to my house. Year goes by two years. I, you know, and I'm, I'm naive and I coming from transmission. I'm, uh, uh, I just didn't understand how desirable location that was. So then I, I decided to go to a less desirable location and, um, you know, went there and, and was there for two years. Now, here I am. I have no unit seniority. I don't know how much, uh, you know, but seniority, uh, there's company seniority, there's unit seniority. And when you're, when you're signing bids, their transfers are one thing. If they go to transfers, mean that they went through all the bid process, no, no qualified bidders, then they can go to transfers before they go to the street gotcha. to hire. So, um, but you have to have to get to that desirable desirable location you need some time sure. so like i said i it was it was it was basically a miracle that got me there because i had two years and the timing was right the only guy that was interested in ta- there was a ton of apprentices out there that hadn't topped out yet so when that when that bid hit um i had one person that could could take the job from me and he actually had a few more days of uh of uh, seniority, but he had moved and he didn't have six months. So that contract that I was, I was like, Oh, that contract is, it's, it's effing me, you know, but it turned out being my friend. It turned out the contract enabled me to get to that location and then basically spend the rest of my career there. Nice. Yeah. Um, what was that transition like from you going to, to work on the steel and sub transmission? Um, to, to be in a distribution lineman, what was that like for you? Yeah, the guys that in the trade, they'll, they'll understand this, that it's difficult. Sure. It's difficult. Uh, you basically, my career was working dead grounded and two, you know, both, 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 uh, transmission, sub transmission, two wire sizes, basically you're sure. dealing with, with the associated hardware and, and, and tools that go with it. Now yeah. you're in distribution and you've got 50 wide, different kinds of cables and wires and everything else and hundreds of different uh, connectors and everything that, that goes with those wire sizes. So terminology, I needed help. That's basically the best way to, is I needed help. And uh, came there with my hat in my hand, was a journeyman lineman, but again, I needed help. So uh, one smart thing I did was I... Um, I, uh, I stayed away from call outs for quite a while just because the system didn't know. It didn't know that I was, I was new, that I didn't have the skills to be an asset on the crew and the distribution field. In the, right. Yeah. Right. So there's no worse situation as showing up on a, on a, on a crew and not being an asset on the crew. In other words, you show up, oh my gosh, transmission guy doesn't know what he's doing. We're basically a man down. All we got is an extra groundman. So legal crew. Right. So I, I stayed back, uh, worked on planned jobs. All I can work on planned. Because when they when you're putting together planned, they can cover you with an extra body. Okay. So you, so that so the crew's not at a deficit. And then just humbled myself and put my, you know, put my head down and just kept you know, that's that's the thing, you know. Don't be outworked. I, I feel like that guy built a career on that. 
Don't be outworked. So you show up, you work hard, you're eager to learn, you're going to do just fine. And then know if, if you are getting yelled at and talked to, that's a good thing. They care about you. They care enough to yell at you and talk to you. In this trade, when you're in trouble is when you get the silent treatment. Yeah. That's when you got it. That's when you've got to, you know. Re- reassess what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, that's when it's time to it's look in the mirror late. and what's a common denominator. You know, it's a, there's a, you know, you have to be honest with yourself. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough thing sometimes. But um, I, I believe that, you know, there's right and there's wrong. And there's no gray area in between, you know. So if you can, if, and you know. Everyone knows what's right and what's wrong. So if you're looking for that gray area, you're, you're, you're on the wrong track. How long did you think you take, how long do you think it took you to get that confidence in the distribution side? To where you said, um, you know what? I will tell you this. When it came to transmission, there was no weakness in my game. None. I was at the top of my game. I'm still to this day. I'll tell you, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't got there yet. I didn't do an apprenticeship in distribution like these guys where they got to work all the low voltages and shape weather heads and do secondaries and bank and transformers. bank and transformers. And, you know, um, like I said, I worked hard. I, uh, I, I stayed the books. I, I learned when to put, you know, wear my rubber gloves to work safe to be, and to be someone that could be dependent on, you know, in that other bucket or on the pole. And, uh, yeah, I would say that I, I'm still, still learning. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's nothing wrong with that. And that's yeah. very humble. That's, that's cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, uh, is there anything before we transition kind of rodeo talk, is there anything, uh, highlighting your career that, that, that you want to talk about that I'm, I'm skipping over? You covered uh, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, I think I made trouble men in, 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. Did Troubleman for five years. That was a good job, but you like it. Nice, challenging job. Yes, it was, and uh, but it's a lonely job too. Yeah. It's a lonely job, and then uh, we'll get to. Uh, well, we talked some. We're going to talk more about family, but yeah. you know, I have my older boys in their 30s, middle 30s, and then I've got my boy Will. You know, my boy Blue, and he's. Uh, he's 15. So she got pregnant while I was a troubleman. Uh So it made that transition back to the field and being on a crew that much more important and that much, it it was a big benefit to have people around. So that, that's not a good, it wasn't a good spot for me to be out there in the middle of the night by myself, especially as you know, we will talk as we, we, you know, realize that, that will is autistic, you know? So, um, yeah, that it was, it was, it was at that, that crew having people around me was, was so important at that time. So just because you want to make sure you're be able to provide and and you felt like a little more comfort in the crew aspect. Absolutely. Because you're more engaged. There's people to talk to when you're by yourself. All you're doing is thinking, what can I do better? How can I be home? How can I support it? What are all these things? these this journey we're on now and and how we can overcome it you know what what's the future and your mind can be a uh can be a it can be a tricky thing in that situation sure so being around people is a good thing for that nice yeah 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 it helps when when being around people and a guy like you where you rule you bring a great energy and you bring out conversation you bring you tend to bring bring out the best in people um and you power other people's too it's that, that coach competitive 
aspect of the, of you uh, that meets the, kind of like a nice guy of you, and 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 now we get the, I get the benefit of being around you, a great in, uh, great experienced guy who 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 shares your open book and you share all your experiences with us, and uh, um, that's why it was just it was a it was a no brainer to get you on this podcast. All right, Steve, let's transition to rodeo. Uh, obviously, you're a part of the Sturgill Electric California slash IBW Local 47 rodeo team. Uh, we, we've hit it hard. Uh, like I said, I get to travel with the rodeo team. I, it, it's a very humbling experience. Uh, I, I do the media, so that's a, f- a photo, video. Uh, I have a great time, and, and I'm happy that the team lets me come along. Um, uh, but you're competing at a high level. You're in your 60s. And, and that's not slowing you down. I know. I know. I know. The knee kind of gives you a, a little bit of trouble sometime. And um, but but you're competing at a high level. You're getting on the podium. Uh, but before we get to that, how'd you get started in the rodeo? What happened there? Uh, sure. Uh, when I was in transmission, uh, we had a team in in '93. Now I, I had no clue. That's the thing about transmission is you as you have these different crews that you're off working in remote locations. And could be away from the home base for for months, up to a year, you know, and where you don't see each other a lot. Well, apparently, rodeo be, became, I don't know when it came came to the company, but we had a team in 93 that I didn't even know was competing. Well, they went back to Kansas City and took fourth overall as a, as a sub-transmission team in a distribution world. Whoa. They, yeah. Whoa. Uh, and now rodeos changed a lot over the years. Sure. You know, back then they, they had seven events. They were known events. So you had the opportunity to build it in your yard, practice the heck out of it. Yeah. No way. Seven yes. events. Seven events. And you, you knew in advance what it was. What you knew in advance. And, and, the, and uh, the, the, you knew the, how the equipment was going to be laid out. It would be dead yep. end or. Exactly. They trans- gave, they, you got pictures of the construction. They, they uh, detailed the event. You build it, you can practice it. Do you, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, <laughs> but do you feel like that was a better rodeo system than we have now? And well, and if, if well, for those of you don't know now, it's there's very secret. There's mystery events now, and they don't give it out. Um, so go ahead. Yeah, well, they've 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 it's grown so big that they can't do it anymore. Sure, because they just there's too many teams. That's the reason we went down to the mystery events, four events, because they had to figure out a way to get all the teams through the rodeo. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, so that team went back there. They practiced. Uh, they, they, and I know their technique, they, they play defense. You know, uh, get through the events, get 100 points, and, hope, and then let all the fast teams fall apart. <laughs> and it worked, you know. So they come back with this big trophy. They're heroes, you know. And uh, I'm like, I got to get this. This got my name all over it. I got to get involved, you know. So um, that team, they did the one and done. And one of the team, one of the guys on the team was a free agent. And uh, we live close together. And I'm like, I, I got to do it, you know. So we put a team together. Uh, and he, him and I climbed for years. And we picked up another transmission guy and, and, uh, and went from there. They, another thing they used to do is they used to get bonus points, which I really like. In other words, if you win an event, if you win the event, I believe they gave you 102. They gave you two extra points. 
And then uh, second place got uh, a point and third place got a half a point. Nice. And what that enabled is if, say you dropped something and lost a couple points, you can make those points up. It wasn't unusual back in the day that we would finish a day and have, you know, 608 points. We'd be over the, the six events. Sure. Yeah. So. And that um, was accumulative to find out the overall winner. Right. Okay. I got you. Right. Do you think so, that was a better system? Do you kind of miss it? I do. Yeah, because you, it, it enables you drop a clothespin or something, or you drop a nut, you you can you can come back, you can be, you get those points back. So yeah, I did like it. I'd like to see it come back. And we'll talk about it. We're gonna get yeah. into, we're gonna get into this. And, yeah. and the margin for error is error is is insane as far as overall winning. If you drop, if there's a miscommunication, if there's any type of slip, you're pretty much you're pretty much hoping that everyone else slips. But other than that, I mean, you're right. really, you're really, it's really hard. It's uphill battle. If you've made one mistake out of four events, you're talking about three guys working in unison. It's incredible. Right. Now, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go. So 94, obviously we put a team together. We go to a runoff. We're successful. The, they, the, the company was good enough to take a transmission team. Because even every rodeo set up for distribution events, stuff yeah. that uh, we typically don't do. So we're we're kind of behind the eight ball right there to start with. So they would always take a take a transmission team. So there'd be so we'd compete. We got the right to go back to to uh, Kansas City compete in the international in '94. Right. And uh, the funny the the again I'm not to, so proud of this, but it it it. Uh, it opened my eyes is that we had a very rainy day. We got completely hammered <laughs> at this rodeo and there were events that we'd never, I think they had a preform wrap lock. They had a bank, a transform. They had so many things that we'd never done before. Sure. And, uh, but they had a rope splice and in transmission, we, we could splice like crazy. So, uh, come, you know, how long a day it is. You're yeah. you rodeo all day. You're in the rain, you're tired. Uh, you go back, have a few beers, go to the banquet. It's dragging on and on. Now it's like 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, I just go, babe, I'm tired. Let's go back to the hotel. <laughs> I won't go to the banquet. Mistake, mistake. Cause yeah. I get around my door. I get a rap on the door at around 1130. I, the chain's on. I open the door of the hotel and they shove a plaque through. <laughs> There you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I missed my uh, I missed my opportunity to walk across that stage. We won third place in the rope splice, and uh, you know, again, I I didn't know I di I didn't appreciate it. I didn't know how. I just didn't have uh, I didn't have an idea that how big of an event it was and how important it was, and uh, to bring it all around, it took nine years to get back on that stage. That's we had nine years of nothing before we got, we got back on that stage and with a different chain in 2003. So I was always telling people I might've missed my only opportunity to walk across that stage. So for, for anyone that doesn't know the international lineman's road, it's a, it's a super bowl of rodeos. Um, everyone who, everyone who wants to compete it's it's the ending rodeo of, of the year. Um, it's the real deal. Kansas city. And, uh, now I, I can't speak for 93 or 94 or Steve's, uh, Steve's age when he was, when he's, uh, started out, but now it's the real deal. Big stage, big lights, big TV, uh, big, big, uh, projector screen, uh, people for is, is as far as the eye can see, it, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's, it's pretty cool. 
pretty pretty cool uh, accomplishment. And like you said, you know, you you fell asleep, went to the hotel room, and it, <laughs> you could have missed your shot at walking across that stage, and it's a big deal. Um, I, I got some questions for you, Steve. I, I really want to pick your brain. Um, your your role now, you, you're you're a journeyman lineman, but you serve as the groundman role, uh, and, and you were specifically picked by by our team captain Dan Dan Jamison to come kind of out of retirement. Um, and you play this key part with your experience from 93 all the way up until now you've been competing, uh, whether or not you took a few years off, whatever that's neither here nor there. But, um, I know Dan values and the team, they value your experience and your knowledge. Uh, I kind of wanted to, to kind of dive deep in that. You got it. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, risk versus reward. This is not in terms of safety. Um, this is just more stretch strategic decision-making uh, what goes through your head when you're presenting this to the team. And I, what I mean by that is like, Hey guys, let's uh, I know we haven't practiced this or I know we may not have tried this a lot, but l- let's try this. What's that process like? Uh, it's rewarding because as like I said, Dan last year, he, 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 he I saw him, he said he needed a man. I said, listen, you know, I've been out of it. But if you're desperate, you know, give me a call. I'll help you out. I'm not doing anything. We're in the COVID time and everything else. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> anyways, next day he calls me, Raul calls me, uh, you know, we want you. And, uh, so you know, it's nice, you know, but I, I, I said I would, and I did. So, you know, I came to the team that way. As far as, uh, where I was at was, still a little bit apprehensive because of my age and being away from it for a little bit. And like, I think you've got the idea that I'm not going to be a detriment to the team. I'm going to be an asset. If I can't be an asset to the team, then, you know, we need to find, we need to go a different direction. So I'm, I wasn't quite sure until like we are, you're just your question. Your question is, you know, four events, uh, Typically, you know, you're always going to have a speed climb, a hurt man. Uh, for the most part, I really feel like uh, a lot of the techniques that are done at hurt man are from years of work that my climbing partner and I put into. And it's nice to see that uh, people are pretty much implementing techniques that, that I perfected years ago. Sure. So, um, but I, I, so I feel there, but still I'm not really involved in that, that event that much. And then, and then we get to an event that requires some strategy, you know, requires, uh, doing things efficiently in the right order. For example, uh, we were just out there last week and I'm just kind of just going along until my, my boots hit the playing field. As soon as my boots hit the playing field, I'm into it now. Then I'm just like, this is what we're going to do, man. You know, so it's neat for me now is that I I see it. I've, 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 I've taken the lumps for these guys over the years. I paid the price. There's so many times that we had, we got destroyed in an event, but what, what did we do? We learned from, we came back, we worked harder and we figured out ways to overcome all these things. And that's where my knowledge comes in is that I took the lumps years ago so they don't have to, because I can tell them we're not doing that because this is what happens when you do that. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it, it feels really good. It feels good when we have a, an event that's uh, complicated and I can use my experience 
and that vision. And uh, But one really good thing we have right now, and this is uh, huge, is that we have three guys that contribute. I've been in situations there's where um, we have two, I take on two young guys, and they're looking to me to make every single decision on what they do, what I do, and uh, and that's just, it's a hard existence because what happens is you end, you end up neglecting your position if you're putting too much in. So it's, it's really nice that uh, Dan will tell me uh, I'm wrong, you know, or I'm thinking this. And, uh, and Cole's even, you know, I encourage that. So um, we have a good team right now, really good team. I think there's a quote, uh, this one, you know, I first, I, I read it by General Patton, and it was, if everyone's thinking alike, someone's not thinking, right? Yeah. And he's just saying, I need, I need feedback. I need people questioning, asking questions, not just going with what I say 100% of that. No one's thinking or no one's challenging. So that's one thing I said to the team, you know. Everybody contributes. Good, it's a good thing. It's, we, and you've seen it. Um, uh, we're just getting better and better, so it's a good thing. Yeah, no, and and that's that's a good the good part. I mean, even on on all aspects, you guys are getting yeah. better, and it's really good to see. And I could see that growth, like being able to travel with you guys, and you guys do share that common denominator where it's it's the best idea, and you being the guy with the most experience, sometimes you you come up short or you miss something or. Maybe you're you're misjudging a skill that the team member may have, and and they and they they contribute in another idea. And yeah. you guys put aside the ego, and you 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 know the objective is to obviously get on that podium and win, and 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 have a successful event, have a successful, has a have a successful rodeo, and 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 come back as, as saying, hey, yeah, man, we we did good, we we performed. Because like I said, that margin of error is tiny. Right, it is right. incredibly thin. It, it it blew my mind the first time uh, hanging out with you guys. It's like they are looking for. Three guys, three rodeo members, however you want to word it, um, three, three, three crew members, three team members to to perform at a high level for four events. Two of them you're not going to know. Some of them are going to take 20, 17, 15 minutes and really just be flawless. Yeah, um, well, what I learned, uh, good luring experience in the year 2000, uh, we finally got through a rodeo with my team and got all hundreds in Kansas city. That's wild. And, uh, we came in 11th place <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, but that was that strategy of just make the meantime, don't, you know, do it right. And that's when I realized that's not going to work. So we, we changed the makeup. We put a guy on the ground. We brought another lineman in and we started competing. And then uh, obviously as we went to four events, uh, any rodeo, you're going to have a number of teams that get through clean, meaning no deductions. And then they're going to go to the times um, yeah. to say who wins and who loses. So uh, I'm a, I'm a proponent of staying within your abilities, but hitting it as hard as you can. Don't slow down. I don't want you to go past your abilities, but I want you to, I want you to every event, best of your ability, hit it as hard as you can. We're, we're not jogging. We're sprinting. There's we're sprinting. And, and anyone that knows there's, there are times when you got to be cautious. You've got to slow down. You got to make the move count. But when you could sprint, you sprint. I, I tell you what, um, I'm going to put you guys on, on a pedestal here. The, one of the greatest shows to this day that I've seen right now 
is you guys in Pennsylvania. That wire transfer, it was flawless. The time, you guys, I, I believe the next team was like three minutes away. It was Dan and Cole. You guys came up with a good plan and worked it to a T. It was like it was a machine up there, and it was, it was amazing to watch. I was filled with adrenaline. I'm just like, wow, this was awesome to see. It was really great. It was a clinic. It was, yeah, it was, really good. <laughs> it was a clinic. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's when I get excited now. Because on events like that, I, I contribute. I, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to on and off it. We're going to use one grip. We're going to do this, I, you know, and just brainstorm that perfect, uh, just that perfect game plan and then execute it. And it's you know? amazing. It's a, that's a complex, a lot of moving parts in that, in that event, a wire transfer, um, you know, it takes it take all hands on deck and to, to, to run a clinic like that, that day, that event, um, it, it was pretty impressive. It was really great. Did I tell you that I told that guy, guy came down the pole. This is probably 20 years ago. And I said, Hey, you did a hell of it. That was a nice clinic you put on up there. So he is a younger lineman and maybe I still had those rough edges back then. He went around the truck and he went and said, Hey, Hey, Lectus told me I put on a clinic up there. Is that good or is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> no no that's good that's you just good got thing. you got the best compliment you get from lack oh you yeah know? For sure <laughs> all right so i'm gonna ask you a few more questions all right um feedback versus criticism what's the difference when you're working as a team when you're giving feedback when you're giving criticism how, how does that weigh in your decision when you approach a team member hey man we, we got to talk we got to work some things out as far as just work methods well um you know this is I look at myself as co-captain of this team. Sure. So, um, and maybe it's my age and experience, but I have the ability now just to say, hey, don't do that again. You know, I, and uh, it's not criticism. It, it could be nothing happened because of it, but it could happen, you know. So um, constructive criticism, everybody has to be able to take it. It makes you better. Nothing worse than people talking behind your back, you know, chirping about things that you could do better and telling everyone except you, you know? So when I, when I take on something, one of the first things I'll say is I, I encourage constructive criticism. It's going to make me better. It can't make me better if you're over talking to people in the cheap seats, but you know, you tell me I can learn from it. I can get better. So I encourage it. It's, it's a difficult thing. P- some people don't respond well, you know, to it, you know, and, <laughs> and they, it's, uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen, you know, d- you criticize and they, uh, they just, they're, they go to the, almost to that you, th- you know, you criticize me for that. I'm going to really show you crap, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, there's different personalities out there. It's, uh, it, it could be difficult. And it, um, I remember this that um my dad told me he goes because he's a coach and i'm a coach that you got to know you got to know you can yell at him and tear him down so much but there's a point where you go over you put your arm around him you give that guy a hug and you tell him you're doing good you that that guy will go to battle for you he'll go to battle for you you know you got him but you have to know when it's enough's enough and there's time to give a little it happened to me in this trade. It happened where I was getting beat down on the job and we had a foreman that didn't come out on the job site. And that was typical sat in the truck, but he rolled his window and called me over. He must've seen it. And he just goes, Leck, 
you're doing good. You're doing great. Don't let, and I was just like, I was just, yes, you know, I, I could go, you got me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll run this battle forever for you. He just, he, he knew it. He knew that I needed little encouragement. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I'm, uh, know everybody's different, but, uh, uh, no, no, I, you have to treat people different. That's true. You know, you, you want to think that you could treat them all the same, but you can't. Yeah. Good point. We do that with our kids. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great, great yeah. example too. Uh, all right, here we go. Another question for you. Uh, blue collar trades are facing manpower challenges. Uh, this is throughout all the trades. Um, when you have a hard time meeting demands for manning workforce, it could be even more challenging to get people to participate in, in all skill levels at the rodeo. Uh, why is this, why is rodeo tradition important to the trade? It, I, obviously for me being a team guy, uh, the camaraderie, you know, uh, the pride in the trade, uh, pride in yourself. Uh, it, when it, when I talk rodeo, it's all, I do understand that, uh, that you're not, necessarily you are building skills and everything but it's it's much different than your everyday job on the job so um you got to keep you got to be you got to be have some humility you got to be humble and not uh and not uh you know i always try to if people ask about it then i'm more than happy to talk about it uh but i'm not a big guy of of flaunting it out there i'm typically somebody will have to ask me about it to talk about it there's, uh, I think I've talked to you about it, that I, one of my, my best teammates was, he'd always wanted to do rodeo, but he was a guy that was on the fence and he was worried about peer pressure and what other people thought of it. And I had a feeling about him and I asked him if he'd like to be my rodeo partner, if he'd like to climb with me. And his answer was immediately yes. He'd just been waiting for somebody Someone to answer, just somebody to ask. Help you him know? pull that trigger. Yeah, push them in the pool, so to speak. Yeah, and I and I think there's a there's a lot of people out there like that that we just need to find. They're competitive and they're on that fence, and hopefully we can uh, we can get them to come come and do it. Yeah, for sure, and it, it does mean a lot to the trade. It's a great it's a great yeah. uh, great community to be a part of, and and it makes you a little more. Uh, it adds to that pride that you have as a lineman uh, in the day day in and day out job, uh, as far as I can see. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, me just going as in my role, I I love it. It's great, right? Yeah. And and it's known. I mean, with social media and everything that's happening out there, it's uh, it's people know. They know who's, you know, I know who the studs are out there in the United States. I know who they are. Yeah. You know, but uh, the neat thing about uh, the studs is uh, it it makes it makes us all better. Sure. I uh, uh, I had a team that uh, used to used to you know, they beat us every time we rodeoed, but all it did was just made us more hungry, made us work harder, you know? And so, uh, eventually, you know, they came in second, we came in first, then maybe the next year it switched. And then it was, then it was just, you know, we got him. Then it was, you know, we had just a run of, of doing really well, but there's so many teams out there in the 40, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and local 47, our whole brotherhood there, we're all complimenting each other, making each other better by working hard, 
The more success one team has, the more it makes another team work harder. So um, I'm proud of that. And I had, I, I made sure I talked to that team before they quit roading and, and thanked them because they, they made myself and Brian, my, my, my climbing part, they made us better by beating us, made us work harder. And, and Brian and I did that to a lot of teams that are now champion teams and they're doing that to other teams. So uh, I just, I love the brotherhood. I love the competitiveness and I, I love the, the competition within uh, the local. It, it's there and we, we all love each other, but we're competing hard against each other too. No, absolutely. And my point for that question, and I think you nailed it too, but was to understand that as a whole, as a community, as an industry, as a trade, that we're competing against other trades for hiring, for bringing in good people into our trade. And when we bring those good people in, when we, when we, when we get those people saying, I'm not going to be a plumber, I'm going to be a lineman, or I'm not going to be a truck driver, I'm going to be a lineman, um, whatever the case may be, like we want those good people into the trade. And, and in my hopes of, of showcasing some of this, uh, a, a lot of the, the, the media I do share, we do share on California Lineworks on Instagram is to, to build that passion, to get that exposure out there to say like, hey, it's competitive, competitive, it's fun, right. it's a great industry, we want, you, we want you, and we want those good people to join the rodeos so you can bring up that competition and we can all get better. Yep. So. And, and, you know, I've always said there's a, it's just something that if you're looking for a reason not to do it, that's a tough sell because there's a there's hundred reasons not to do it. But the people that do do it, we never look at those. Sure. You know, when we played sports or whatever we did, we never look for a reason not to do it. We look for the reason to do it. So if you're there, then come join us. You know, if you're competitive and uh, you're a team guy and enjoy the whole journey, to enjoy the process, you know, because it's rewarding. I love the practice, too. Yeah. I, I used to. Maybe not as much as 105 degree heat, but yeah. we used to, I used to thrive on the practice. Practice is great. We competed in practice with other teams and everything. So, yeah, I'm hoping uh, people out there come join the team. It's 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 fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, great way to be involved in the trade, yeah. too. Uh, all right, Steve, a couple more questions for you. Uh, how do you use a uh, how do you use a bad event or even a bad rodeo to your advantage? Meaning, uh, you know, obviously, um I'd rather learn from other people's mistakes than my own, but, uh, you get humbled, you get, you know, on, in an event, we never, we never just walked away from it. We learned from it and we, we built it and we figured out how to do it, you know, how to overcome it. So, yeah, like I told you, we've had plenty of, uh, disappointments, but we always come back and, uh, you know, come up with an idea and figure it out and figure out how it's so it'll never happen again. So yeah. th th that's how I think that's the best way I can put it as far as dealing with uh, failure. It's learning from it and then fixing it. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That growth. Um, Steve, I was listening to this podcast the other day. Uh, actually, it was on a plane ride. Um, and they made a statement that, that we're born leaders as humans. And at first, I, I really didn't get it. And they go on to say, like, when we're born, we have this development in our lives where we don't do anything. We're not, we're not efficient or sufficient. We depend, we depend on our parents, a caretaker, a caregiver, I'm not sure of the word, uh, but 
we, we learn and we develop skills. We're, we're not born to, we just sit there and we right. go to the bathroom and we cry and you got to change the diaper. But you, see, you see something like a horse and within minutes they're walking. It's instinctive. However you want to look at my, my dog, he knows how to hunt. And I, didn't, I can't teach him that. And I didn't take him to class. He just instinctively, that's what he does. But as humans, we're, we're learners. How much are you still learning at, at the rodeo now? After 20, what are you, what are you going on at 93? 94. 94. Yeah. Looking at my jacket. Yeah, nice jacket. 2007, there was a, a, was I think that's the only year I haven't been back there. We had these big fires sure. in California. And just because of that, uh, because of that impact on the community, we didn't go that year. Sure. Uh, but even then, I think we, we had a, we had a runoff and we won our runoff that year. So reason i got a patch on that thing that's my second but uh the as far as um you still you still learning still learning um no just giving i think i'm just giving more you know i i uh i hope if i'm learning that means that i'm unprepared at this point my in my career so um giving uh giving uh educating giving 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 feedback given knowledge that I've that I've picked up over all these years sure I still like hitting that stage though let me tell you that does not get old and the blazer <laughs> you got that blazer so you get your blazer. what's the deal with the blazer uh hang on let me bring it out so uh yeah Mr. Lechbold uh chose and typically you know you get dressed up for the banquet it's a collared shirt typically nice pair of jeans boots or a dress shoe uh, Mr. Leckfold went, went one up and went with a nice sport coat. What's the deal with the sport okay, coat? Okay, what, what, a few years back, first time rodeo, he was on a senior team. So, um, didn't know him really well. He is part of the team. So, there he is in the lobby of the hotel, wearing his jacket, playing the piano in the lobby of the hotel. And it made an impression on me. I go, check this guy out. You know, he's got a blazer on. So, I started that new that was in my head. And then I started a new team and I told the young guys, you know, they, again, it was, uh, I've been in and out of it a few times. Uh, I trained, they, as I got out of rodeo, I started training apprentices for rodeo when they'd asked, I'd do it. And, uh, I didn't even know that after, as these two apprentices topped out, they, they sent a care package and asked me to be their groundman on their team. And it was sitting in our mail room. <laughs> and they must have thought, what, you know, they must have thought I was a uh, ghost to them or something, but I didn't even was there. Finally, somebody uh, brought me, hey, there's a box in here for you. Now, how, you know, how long is this? So after I opened it, yeah. accepted, yeah, I'll be your, I'd love to be your guy's groundman. And, uh, and then asked them, I go, how long has that box been sitting there? And I, I go, why didn't you guys call me? You know, they're like, oh, we thought you just didn't want us. And, oh. but anyway, so very talented young guys. It was, again, I love that, uh, that journey, that taking new talent, that, uh, it takes some work. It takes some work. You might even your first, you might even get a third place in something, but sometimes those are the most valuable, uh, awards because you know that, they really don't have any business being there yet. It's just through hard work and discipline that they, that they are there, you know, and I'm a part of that. So that's, that's a coach in me. And, uh, so we went to Kansas city. It may have taken a couple of years. And I said, I, t I asked the guys, I go, 
you want to bring sport jackets. You know, I just had a feeling that year we were going to hit the stage. And, uh, and we did, I think we hit it two or three times, but the first, uh, a, the first team they called, I think they give first through fifth in Kansas city. I think, I think right. we took a fifth in hurt man. So, you know, you, you wear them sport jackets, you better make them pay off. <laughs> <laughs> Take so. Yeah, you better, better be sure you perform. That exactly. Day. So the first award was fifth place hurt man rescue, our team. So now we're on the stage with our blazers on all three of us. That's good. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, they're just, it's just funny to look at, uh, just look at the upper management, the directors, you know, and they're like, who is this guy? Who are these guys? You know, they like it. They just like, uh, you're gonna have that swag. You're gonna have that confidence. Yeah. And, and, and hang out with you guys. Like, it's gotta be fun. Like there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot, uh, to give you guys a little insight. Like this morning they practiced 5 a.m. Uh, before today, uh, uh, today. And, and we got a rodeo. Uh, this weekend, and you're practicing early. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to be worried about or stressed about, however you want to prepare it about, but you got to have fun, Like, and, and we have fun on our, our, our journeys. Yeah, so you think uh, you think Cole and Dan are ready for the Blazers? I, I, that's up to, I mean, you guys can talk it out. It'd be, it'd be funny. It'd be great. Uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's some room for it, and I, I think once you go Blazer, you set the standard high. You, right. You, you can't go to a T-shirt. I'm known, I'm known for it now. Yeah. I mean, there's a few years back uh, – Brian and I got back together for senior division. We had a day, you know, it just, everything went right. I didn't have a blazer with me. I said, babe, I'm feeling it. We're hitting that stage tonight. We need to go buy a blazer. So we went down, went down, bought me a blazer and we won that division. So. <laughs> <laughs> Having you in the senior division, the ringer now, it's just, you're, st- you're still, man, you're still, you're competing at a high level. You're doing yeah. a good job. So, uh, speaking of which, uh, I'm going to ask you a tough question here. Put you on the spot. What, uh, let me see here. Just as a whole today, uh, as a whole, um, we're, we'll call about halfway point to the season. Is that fair? Yeah. What grade are you giving the team right now? I'm giving us a solid A minus. And you know what I'm basing that on? I'm basing it on um, three events, basically. Like that last, that, that, that last rodeo. That rap, preform rap lock, yeah. you know, uh, with the wing arm and the cover and, and the challenges of that event, that is, that's up there. That's like a nine on a 10 in a rodeo these days, as far as difficulty. And like I said, it was a clinic. It was, you know, so that the wire transfer in Pennsylvania, again, you know, to me, when I, when I see what we do in those events, I, I, I realize that if the best teams in the nation are there at that same rodeo, it's going to be that close. Yeah. It's going to, we're right there, you know, and you saw, it's just, it's very difficult to find any, anything in that event that uh, could be improved on maybe a little speed here or there. And then I think we had an event at uh, LADWP that was, again, it was, uh, you know, a couple of my ideas, and uh, had the right tools. That was again. I I had the right tool for that event because we did we did it Steve. back in the day. We didn't have the proper tool and got destroyed because of it. I have that tool in my bag because of that. So <laughs> you learn the experience of paying that. Yeah, that's why you're sought after that experience you've been. You've yeah. Been. So because that that's where I'm at. That I we're we're improving and and 
you know, um, you're going to have a kick. What you don't want mental errors. You're going to have physical errors sometimes. You're going to drop something. You're going to kick out a little. Uh, mental errors to me is just when you're not putting stuff on the hand line in a proper order. You're you're um, you're doing things out of out of order of being efficient. So uh, when we're tailboarded right and we're efficient, we're going to be hard to beat for sure. Um, I think another great part of this is is you guys have trained an apprentice who's doing really good, um, giving credit to his, his, his crew, uh, Jonathan Weathersby. Um, I know he has a great coup. Uh, they're, they're teaching great things, um, all, all surrounded by great linemen. Uh, but you talk about the, the culture of the, the, the rodeo. There's, there's a couple things to learn. Um, and, and you and Dan and Cole have really shaped them. Uh, what, what grade are you giving Cole, uh, excuse me, Hugh, uh, Hugh Chandler, great job. Uh, apprentice lineman, seven step. He's done a great job. What what grade are giving are you giving you? Yeah. I've I've got a chance to watch him a little, and he is a he's a force to be reckoned with. That guy is so fast the way his hands move. So uh, I give him, you know, he, he it doesn't matter what rodeo is an apprentice. He's going to be right there every single time. He he he's up there. Same thing. He's an A. He's an you know an A minus. He's there's always room for some improvement. Uh, nerves get him a little bit here and there, but the more he competes on the clock, the, the those nerves are going to go away because you, you don't get that in practice. Yeah. You, you just don't get that stress. So that's a great thing. This rodeo season we have this year is it's unprecedented how many we're looking to do. But I'm game because, you know, Dan's season, I'm season. This is mostly for, for Cole and, and Hugh because they – it's it's new to to Cole and everyone. He's going to get more and more confident. Those nerves are going to start going away, and I'm already seeing that. Yeah, and and I and to speak about that, you guys have only been together for a year. Yeah, uh, it's probably Montana was your. Oh no, Pennsylvania was your first right. rodeo last year. So you guys are in in the, as far as team aspect because it's, it's very yeah. very young, and you guys are really hitting all cylinders. And I, that, that that written test, you know, that's that's a tough one for these apprentices. I'm going to throw it right out there because I think I have a great idea. So if anyone at the international is listening, what I'd like to see happen for the apprentices is go ahead and give them that written test, give an award for that written test, Move on. but leave that out of the scoring for overall apprentice. I think that's a great idea. That's tough. Uh, or the next thing is uh, figure out a way that the most points you could lose in that test is maybe... 10 points, you know, you got a guy that comes in and is not up on the books or I mean, they're taking those questions from basically volumes of that handbook. And, uh, you know, you, you come out with 50 points down to start a rodeo. You can never recover from that. You can't win. You can't be on, you can't win the overall. So other people might think different. Uh, I think it's, I think it's something to, to address. And I think there's a lot of apprentices that because of that, written tests that they maybe aren't competing. Now, all of a sudden it brings everybody into the playing field as far as being able to win the overall trophy. Yeah. I, what, do, I, what do you think of that? I get it. I, I disagree with you and, and <laughs> I'm okay with it. Uh, but I mean, it's neither here nor there. We, we could see, we could disagree about it all day. I, I like the written test. I like the standard of it. Do I agree? It does thin the herd. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, uh, you know, 
Hughes fell fell victim of that test a few times, and it, it's tough. But the, the kid kills it, uh, kills it on the wood, kills it, kills it on the rodeos. Is only getting better, um, and uh, he, he's doing great things. Um, tributes to his crew on the rodeo and his crew uh, on the job site. Um, and here, uh, within a few months, here he's earned the right to take the journeyman test and uh, and hopefully get that watch and, and join the fraternity of uh, a journeyman lineman and, and earn it. Uh, well, last question here in the rodeo area. I got a few questions uh, on the last segment here, but uh, let, let me let me uh, end this segment with this with this question for you, Steve. Uh, you've given a lot to the trade. Um, I feel like when you compete in rodeos, you're already an advocate towards the growth of the industry just by your your presence and your knowledge. You you uh, you uh, you give you give. Um, as an industry, we're competing against other industries, like I said, to hire the best talent. Talent. Uh, but what have the rodeos given to you? Hmm. You thought this was gonna be an easy podcast? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, obviously, um, pride, you know, pride, um, of course, you know, and, and being a sports guy and being, uh, being a competitor, uh, being a part of a team, it's given me that, uh, it's given me, uh, visibility, you know, within the trade, uh, that can be a good thing, you know, depending on how you, uh, what you do with it, you know, you just gotta, you know, like I said, you gotta stay humble and, uh, uh, and, uh, keep learning, keep working hard. Like I said, the best thing for me has always been not to ever, uh, talk about it a lot unless I'm and it, but I do get a lot of, uh, people wanting to know, you know, that's the thing is when you know, it's going good is when your whole, you may have one team in a yard or two teams in the yard. But all of a sudden, what you see is when you start having success, that that whole yard is invested in you. They have pride in your performance and and, because you're representing them. So uh, I've had that experience before where I felt like everybody in the yard was part of the team. And in any capacity, even if it's just uh, showing interest, you know, or, or saying, you know, Hey, thanks for representing us. You know, that's, uh, that, that, that's fulfilling. It is. And, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to build at Sturgeon. You know, we really are. I, 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 I hope we get to the point where everybody in that yard is, uh, is part of the team and they're enthusiastic and they want to, and they want us to do well and feel like they are when, when we do well, it's because we had great support from them. And they allowed us to, to work on the crew and a lot of the things that are happening is because of their leadership in, in what happens in everyday crew life. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's what I, as, as you know, like you said, I've just come to, to the company, uh, Sturgeon Electric, Southern California, MYR group. I am proud to be here, but I'm on a mission, you know, I'm going to find, I'm going to we're going to find some talent out there. We got it. We, we're, we got more to come. So that's good. Oh, and excited uh, about it. I know Rawls excited to have <laughs> you, uh, to join the team. Uh, he had a quote from the newsletter. I, I didn't pull it up, but, uh, I meant to, but I, I got a little sidetracked, but, um, 
I know we're excited to have you in that, that training role. Um, you're a great asset. Uh, and uh, I'm excited. You're, you're a friend of mine, you're a mentor of mine. So to have you at, a, at an arm's length is, is going to be, uh, it's going to, it's going to benefit us as a company. And, um, I agree with you. Um, we have seen a lot to get that, that pride in the yard of supporting the team. Um, we're, we're seeing it more. I know once we post something on social media, uh, the guys are getting texts saying, congratulations, good job. You know, and we're seeing that support system and it takes a whole yard, uh, because when, you know, when you leave into a, to a rodeo, you're, you're taking a few, you're kind of off from work a little bit, you know, so people got to step up and, and fill some of these, these voids and, and, um, it, it takes a yard to really, to really support the, the success of a team and, uh, upper management to management to, to everyone really buying in and, and saying, Hey guys, you represent us, go out there, make us proud, have fun, bring home some trophies. Sure. Yep. And hopefully like, yeah, that, that our, um, you know, I think of Cole, I think of Hugh, that uh, obviously they're getting support from their, their foreman, and I, I, I'm i sure they're vested in their success, and that's a good thing. You know, I, <laughs> uh, Hugh's spoiling him a little bit. You know, he's been br- bringing back a lot of hardware. I'll have to talk to him, see how uh, how it went this week. Oh, yeah. He, he had a great rodeo, too, and uh, um, that, that written test kind of nipped him in the butt, but uh, he had a great rodeo. It was great times, um, and, and it's tough. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, that's one of the rodeos that doesn't give individual events in each, or awards in each event. Uh, they just give overall trophies. So, like I said, you get had a rough time in the test, but he's confident, and I believe him, that he probably won three of those events. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah just good. didn't get recognized for it. Yeah, And, and that's something you, you have to celebrate that win. You can look back at those times and know I did a great job. I can nitpick and make improvements and come back better. I can I can knock out te- knock out that that written test and, and I can make I can bring home a trophy. But he, he's doing really good. Uh, he's doing great actually. And uh, um, a credit to to you and his crew, um, his rodeo crew and his crew at work. Uh, Steve, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears. Uh, I know you're passionate about line work. Uh, I know you're passionate about being a veteran. I know you're passionate about Poway um, and, and, and everything and the rodeo life. But I know there's something that 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 makes it all worth it. And that's, that's your wife and, and your kids. Yeah. Um, and you talked a little bit about it and uh, I know, uh, I feel like I, I, I've met your wife once and I feel like I've known her a, a while just because of much you talk, you talk about her and, uh, she sets up your phone. She gets your boarding pass ready. She, uh, she probably packs your suitcase. Um, uh, she's, she's your rock. I know that I'm a blessed man. There's, that's the only way I can say it. I, what a great, you know, for me to be, you know, I told you we met in 83, uh, married in 85, been together ever since. Uh, we have three boys. I have a, a, my older boys, Luke and Nick, middle 30s, and then uh, old uh, Lex still had a little in him when I was 47, pushing 48. Old Poopsie came up pregnant, and now we got, uh, we got our boy Blue Will He's uh, going to be 16 here on July 31st. So uh, I think he was actually doing his driving thing today. But just couldn't be more proud, uh, you know, of uh, of just the life that we built together. Uh, you know, having her there to support me through all that, through a career in the Air Force, a career in this trade. It just, it couldn't be a better ride. It really couldn't. I'm so proud of the family. Uh, do you take, do you take that, that coach's mentality, do you take that coach's mentality into your, 
your marriage or into being a father too. Yeah, because I, I think I mentioned it earlier that you can't treat them all the same. You, you know that there's different needs uh, with the boys, and uh, and I find myself, you know, that I know that I can talk to my oldest Luke one way, and my middle Nick, I I might have to be a little more cautious on how I pr- present something to him. Um, but the thing that for me, that the neatest thing about having the family is having, uh, you know, pride in, in how I provided over the years, uh, and also knowing why, you know, when you're out there working 32s and you're paying the price and you're doing all that and you know, you're doing it for your family, at least it feels really good, you know, as a, as a provider, as a father, as a, as a husband. And I've, I've tell all the young guys, you know, if you pride yourself in anything in, in your life as, as a, you know, father, husband, try to do the best you can at that. And we're no one's going to get it perfect, but that's a worthy goal is to be the best you can be at those two things. Um, believe me, I've, uh, it's still learning all the time, but, uh, very proud, very proud. That's good. Yeah. Very blessed. Yeah. You're always talking about him and, uh, I, I, it's just amazing. It's, yeah, it's just firsthand to see that, that joy that you get when, when, when you're talking about your family, you're talking about your boys, you're talking about your wife and, and, and sitting next to the pool and watching the Padres play or something like it, or going out to the, the ballpark and watching the Padres play. You guys spend that time as a family. It's really cool. To see I'm that. proud of it. I really am. You know, I, I give all the, I give all glory. I give all praise to Yvonne and she deserves it. And, uh, uh, you know, um, I kind of lost my thought there to get a little choked, but, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a great ride the whole way. There's no other way to put it. And they say, uh, behind a great man is a great woman. And, uh, yeah. definitely holds true to, to what you've, you've built, what you provided over the years and, what you're continuing to build, you know, still working, still being, um, active. And, and, you know, like I said, will keeps you on your toes being, you being, uh, uh, in your sixties and will being 15. That's, that's a challenge in itself of keeping up with his young, the young gentleman, gentleman and his needs and just the generational needs of uh, what he's got going on. And, um, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, will, like I said, I, I'll tell the young guys and, uh, I'll say, you know, because Yvonne and I, we were right there at Empty Nesters. And then then she, she you know, became pregnant. And uh, I will, I'll tell the young guys, I go, hey, when you're, when you're 47, 48 years old, you probably don't want to be having kids then. But, you know, we did. And he's our pride and joy. And I've told you, um, Will is high-functioning autistic. And uh, he couldn't have been born to better you know, better situation with Yvonne and I'll give myself some credit too, but so many, so many of these kids in this, uh, on the spectrum are, are there are born into very tough, uh, situations. So I know when we, uh, realized that, that he did have that, uh, disability, it was just, that's just pouring ourselves into, to being the best we could be for him, you know, and he's, he's, He's come so far and we have hope that he's going to be, I, I even tell him, I go one day, I hope, 
I'm going to look, I'm going to look at you, Will. I'm going to say you were faking it all those years. Why'd you do that to me? You know? Uh, and we laugh about it, but, uh, <laughs> there's a funny story that, um, uh, there's so many people that have this in their family, have a, an autistic child. And I was, uh, there's a great, uh, football life with Dan Marino that has a, an autistic son. And I sat down Will next to me to watch that segment. And then I sat down and explained to him about, go, about you have the same disability and we talked about it and how you're challenged and things that are a little more difficult for you. So, I don't know, three weeks later, he's doing something he wasn't supposed to do. Yvonne's yelling at him. She called me up. She was cracking up. She, he, she, she, uh, she's yelling at me. He's going, hey, mom, uh, quit it. I got a disability. <laughs> and then he goes, what's my disability again? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Yeah, he's got just, that good sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yes, he, he has a great sense of humor. Hard worker. Like I said, he's uh, he's mainstreaming in school. It started with um, with being nonverbal, and then and then we, and then you you go from kind of a denial thing that you know, like why us to realizing you need help. So you first you're rejecting it, then you embrace it because you have to embrace it to get all the therapies and all the things you need. And uh, like I said, Yvonne got so involved. Uh, I mean, she could advocate now. That's how, how knowledgeable she is on what, how, how that community works and how to get through the school system and everything else. So yeah, it's been a journey. Um, mostly, you know, if I would say for a while, you know, you have, uh, you have some, some good days and you go back a little bit, but it's, uh, like I said, he's doing fantastic and we're proud as heck. He's, uh, uh, no therapies. He's mainstreaming in school. He's going to be junior in high school, and we couldn't be more proud. What What's something you can offer? Uh, I mean, for me, I I don't have that day to day interaction with with anyone on that level, right? What's something you can bring to anyone of value that may may maybe not understand? Well, what 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 goes on? They say in 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 the community, if you know one autistic person, that's all you know is one, because they're all different. It doesn't have a face, so. The, the, the main thing I could say that it did is compassion is, is, uh, have the ability to, uh, instead of let your mind going to possibly somebody on drugs, somebody out of control, somebody that's doing something that they have control of. I'd encourage everybody to, to have compassion and maybe first go to, maybe this is out of their, uh, they don't have the ability to control whatever's happening and if you start from there you you'll you'll uh, i think you'll uh you'll be just you can't lose there if you're if you're compassionate first and then like i said just just uh give them the benefit of the doubt maybe what's happening isn't within their ability to control it okay right on good and that's great i think uh we can all be a little more compassionate and especially uh, it sounds like yeah seeing will and, and 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 being his father being his provider uh, being his role model as a male um you had to be a little more compassionate with 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 his challenges and and what yeah. it all entailed my eyes are wide open now and like i said it hurt it sure helped me it helped me that i would never just say bad kid on drugs whatever my mind goes to whoa you know 
maybe there's an issue here. Maybe this is out of their control. Let's, let's calm down, you know? That's great. I mean, <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm glad you're, Yvonne and, and yourself and your family um, are, are educating us and, and sharing your, you're sharing your story um, to help educate us and, and share that experience. So, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, a few more questions. Uh, we got some questions from the gram. I put it out on Instagram. We put it out on Instagram. Um, anyone who wanted to ask you a few questions, uh, most of them are rodeo related and, um, we'll go for that. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, at Garcia 10 Jason, um, he said, what's your mindset like competing and working? Uh, what's that mentality like? Uh, I would, again, it's, it's, uh, focus and best effort. So, uh, again, I've, I've, uh, I've been doing it a long time. Uh, don't have the same drive I used to have practice wise, but as soon as, as soon as my, my boots are on the, on the playing field, whether, you know, it's a day before and game planning, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's be your best, give a hundred percent and, uh, put together a plan and execute it. Right on. Yeah. Um, here we go. Next one at new underscore Zealand underscore Lyman. Uh, he says, Hey Steve, I'm a Lyman from New Zealand. Which rodeo is the best to visit? <laughs> Hawaii. If they ever have another one, greatest rodeo experience of my life. You're putting that over international. Yes. Wow. All right. Yes. It was that good. I mean, yeah, it was unique. It was one time we need, we need Hawaii. If you're listening, before I retire, I want to go back to Hawaii for a rodeo. Just everything, the, the weather, the, yeah. the everything? Yeah, just the, the resort, just the whole experience. You know, we, we were there long enough to do excursions, and they had they, they really did set up. They had a luau. They had, oh. they had beach competitions. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good four four days. That needs to it happen. It was a lot of fun. And, yeah, no, of course, the international is is – the one we work towards, Absolutely. you know, years ago, I mean, we were doing, I was happy, you know, with doing one or two locals and then the international three a year, you know, shoot, I don't know. We're on schedule to do nine rodeos this yeah. year. So we're putting, putting, putting some miles in. Awesome. Yeah. Thank but, you to the Sturgeon and uh, 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 local here, but that's where you want to peak is at that international. Yeah, sure. All right. Next question. Um, Jonesy underscore XL. Wants to know how much coffee do you drink before start? <laughs> well, I'm I've I've down to one cup a day, and uh, I've there's a couple things in my diet that uh, they mess my stomach up, <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty good. Like I, you know, I'm 62, clean bill of health, no medication, but I was getting close to maybe having to go on something for acid reflux and. Uh, I was uh, disciplined enough to cut these things out of my diet. One thing is I went down from, I think I was drinking 10 cups, you know, because, oh. because that, that, that tumbler is, is, uh, is four cups. Sure. And I was doing that twice. Oh, then going to work oh. and going to the coffee pot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, real deal. Just one, one tumbler a day. That's it. Well, I cut I, out the artificial sweetener, cut out the, the creamer and all that. So I believe this question is going to, towards the rodeo. Are you having a cup of coffee before the rodeo? Oh, negative, negative, negative. Um, 
I probably could these days because I've been doing it so long. I don't have a problem with nerves. But anybody out there that has has any stress at all, if you're having trouble sleeping the night before the rodeo, then you damn well don't have any caffeine the next day, that next morning. Okay? Because it's just going to make nerves that much worse. You stay off that caffeine. It's funny. I, I kind of watch you guys um, and your eating habits the morning of. You know, yeah. Dan, Dan's got his yogurt and bananas and. Uh, Cole typically won't won't eat, and um, um, it's just whatever, however you feel, and keeping with that that same routine, I think it goes a long way, and uh, yeah. it's a good time. Yeah, but I sleep I sleep good now. Yeah, yeah, it's oh boy, I go back, no sleep at all the night before a rodeo. Just sit there going over it in your head. I, I'm so. I don't blame you. The, those <laughs> those pamphlets, those uh, yeah. workbooks that you guys get to go over the rules and stuff, they're thick. Yeah. Internationals is thick. Yeah. It's not no joke. Uh, here we go. Next question. Sweet Caroline underscore eighty eight. Um, where do you get started with rodeos? Uh, like, how do you where do you where do you start? What do you want to just just go to one? What do you think, Steve? You just want to start practicing, get a mentor? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it's tough. You know, obviously, like I said, if you have interest in your work location, that's huge, and you have support. And that's one thing I really appreciate too about this new experience with uh, Sturgeon is, you know, I, I, I refer to you as our team manager and I've never had that before. That's awesome having you there, but uh, uh, it's difficult when there's no interest. So um, I would tell anybody that's at some remote place that doesn't have, maybe has a local rodeo that's, that's close enough to go to their manager and just say, Hey, I want to do it. You know, can you support me? What's going to take? Yeah, and go from there. And uh, I, I would, I would say there's plenty of uh, video out there. You know, always the first thing you do is you, you get online, you print out the packet, and read through all the rules. The rule book is gonna, it's gonna kind of show you the way of the do's and don'ts of doing it. And then, uh, yeah, come show up and uh, do the best you can and then keep your eyes open and learn and, and then out, improve. And watch out for Leckville. <laughs> watch out for Hugh. So, yeah, you <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, that was it from Instagram. Uh, thank you guys for submitting those questions. We're going to send you guys out some swag. I got a few questions for you and then I got uh, a little statement from the book and then we'll wrap things up here. All right, Steve, uh, finish this quote. History favors the blank. In your own words, history favors the blank. History favors winners. That's right. That's the Steve Leckbull <laughs> answer. I love it. Period. And, yeah. just, and next question. We're going to go there. Best advice you've gotten, Steve? Best advice in in, in this trade, uh, other than I told you that foreman giving me wor- words of encouragement when I was down, I still remember, like the back of my hand, that first day when uh, that form, same foreman called me over and just said, "Hey, Leck, uh, well, he didn't call me Leck, but Steve." First, he told me, "Thank you, you know, don't worry about being the reserves. You're going to get some some grief from the guys over it, but thank you for that. You know, I value, we value you being in the military." And then he told me that if I could get through. The first five years of my career without being hurt, chances are I'd never get hurt in my whole career. Hmm. 
And I don't know where he came up with that, but I've had a safe career. And I remember that. Next sweetest words I ever heard. Now, remember, we're building steel. Rainy day in Bakersfield. And uh, Foreman comes over, lays, a, lays his belt down. Now, no one's cl- I've never seen anyone climb a pole. He puts the hooks down. He says, uh, Rainin, I want to see what you can do on the wood. Put the hooks on right. Put the belt on. And it just made sense to me. It made sense. I, I, just, I just put one hook in, climbed up to the top of that streetlight pole, climbed down. Foreman goes, you're a natural. A natural. I mean, I, <laughs> I tell people that it was like the sweetest thing you could hear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, it just it just made sense to me. Nice, you it's, know, and it's gonna it, click. It made sense, yeah, natural. <laughs> All right, Steve, what's the best advice you have given? Best advice I've given is that, um, as I teach the younger generation, is that you don't. You're gonna see guys like me that have been in the trade for 35 years, and and we have a lot. But, but we've ha- you know, we have uh, dedication, devotion. You look at me um, and longevity. And I built this over a career, you know. So don't think you have to go out and have everything now. And then have a plan. Be careful. This trade, if you, it, 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 if you allow it to, it'll take your life from you. And what I mean by that is you have to have balance, you have to have the ability to put the cell phone away, have a plan with your wife or significant other that when that phone does ring, you've talked about it. Hey, babe, I, if, a, if there's a call out today, you're cool with me taking it. No, no, we got this thing tonight. You ne- we need to be there. Okay. You know, you have a plan. But uh, there's too many in this trade that at the end of it, They've been, they've done it two or three times and they don't have what they should have at the end of it because they haven't prioritized their family and their balance. So I'm, that's another thing I'm really proud of that. I've, you know, I'm a man's man. You've been around me, but I've, I've been with my, with Yvonne forever because I have that balance. I have that devotion and I know my priorities. So I I think that's some of the best advice I give out. Don't have to have everything now. Devote to your family, have some balance, take your time. Because next thing you know, you're in so much debt that you're just sitting there looking at the phone all day when you're off wanting it to ring. Yeah. Makes sense? uh, Absolutely. And uh, there's a pattern here with the guests we've had on. We've had on is it's, they talk about that work-life balance Mm -hmm. um, and and, and sharing that experience to hopefully not make the same mistakes uh, if if you're younger. Um, to, to really recognize that balance is really needed. So, and, and if you're with a good company, a good leader, they're going to understand that you need that balance or, Hey man, I, I need this weekend off. I gotta, I gotta get back, cut back in. I need, I need to re re-engage with my family and, uh, and then I'll be ready to work. Come Monday, count on me. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. I hope our leaders are, are, are paying attention to that. You know, I've always said, you know, uh, it's not that complicated, you know, obviously you gotta be knowledgeable and you gotta be safe. But you, you know, and you got you got to, you got to pay your guys what, what they need to be paid. You got to feed them when they need to be fed and then be a little bit selfless. Occasionally be interested in what they've got going on. 
you don't have to do it all the time, but, but if you're, if you're selfless, occasionally these guys are going to, they're going to work, they're going to respect you. They're going to, they're going to go to battle for you. So. Sure. Yeah. Right yeah, well said. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. Uh, and that's 39 years of work experience in the trade speaking. And then you're 62 years uh, as, as Steve Leckbold if, yeah. if come to, to give us. And that's, that's some good knowledge. All right, Steve, next question. Here we go. Um, are rodeo linemen athletes? Some are, some aren't. <laughs> <laughs> right, perfect. Uh, here we go. Next question. If you were an athlete, who would you be? Who embodies you? Who embodies you the most? Who are you comparing yourself to? I, I like the underdog. You know what I mean? Uh, the Danny Woodheads, that little tiny guy that played for the Chargers and the Patriots and the Jets. You know, he comes out of Montana somewhere, and everybody's telling him, no, you're too small. You Chip know? on the shoulder, just, oh, just scrappy. You know, that, that guy that played for the Angels and the, what was his name, Eckstein? Just enough. You know, the guy, I was just just a competitor. You know, not big, strong. That little Altuve for... Uh, Houston Astros, Houston Astros. Yeah. you know, just that, that's, that's, that does it for me, you know, is those guys, people that they, they were told they're too small, give it up. And they just couldn't be deterred. You know, they just, no, you yeah. know, you're, yeah. you're too small. You're not playing anymore. We'll just see about that. <laughs> you're talking about people getting told their whole life that they couldn't do something or, or they weren't going to make it to the next level. Yeah. And they just said, all right, watch me, you know, and the underdog mentality of just yeah. proving yourself every day, getting up there. And um, uh, I heard a, on a recent podcast, they said, earn your place. Yeah. Earn your, every day, just earn your place, whether that's at your job or, right. or however you may look at it. Earn your place every day. All right, Steve, uh, big, you're a big sports guy, obviously. Uh, best athlete of all time. Who you got? Yes. You know who they you're supposed to think of? Is someone like, uh, is it Serena Williams? Sure. You know, and, and she gets overlooked or, uh, Michael Phelps, sure. <laughs> you know, how could you, I don't even know how many gold medals he has. 2016, something like that. Unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the people I think of, uh, you know, the Michael Jordans, uh, Kobe Bryant's, uh, you know, we read. I was reading that earlier, and and that quote that he has over there, he's uh, it, it resonates with me because he's saying it in a different way, but he's basically saying there's a lot of pressure with winning, and uh, I I believe that, and you don't know it until you're coaching a team that's uh, un that's unbeaten, you know, and uh, or you're 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 do you're what it, it could be Lyman's rodeo, and you're winning, and you're winning, and winning, and and the, there's there's people out there that uh, when you're winning, they they're dedicated to dethroning you. So, you know, that's what he's saying there, that there's haters out there. And if if people are hating you, that means you're, you're doing something you're, right. Yeah, you're doing th something right. So just uh, keep working. Don't let them catch you. There you go. Uh, last question for you, Steve. Uh, best team of all time. Um, being a rodeo team, it's a huge, you got to have that objective first mentality. Uh, it takes a lot to, to, to get to the championship or, uh, wherever that case may be. Who's the best team of all time in your opinion? No, we talk, what are we, who, what are we talking about? Whatever you want, baby. It's your, it's your we talking world. sports. We talk in, uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's more like sport. It'd be yeah, more like sports. sports. Like I, it's hard for me to deny the Patriots and what Belichick's done there. Uh, you know, I, I think I've told you if I, I love coaching. I that's where I'm going to do it. When I'm done with this trade, I am going to coach, and I'm going to probably start going down to a high school, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get the freshman football, the freshman baseball program, and I have a lot of ideas and. I'm anxious to to get going. But when you look at someone like uh, what Belichick does, I just admire. I admire his ability to uh, to prioritize talent correctly and uh, and, he, and, he, and he knows when to keep someone, when not to keep someone. and it's it's just all about team, commitment to winning. Uh, there's a there's a quote by uh, I read it in a book I read about Lou Holtz and he said he said I have to make an assumption and typically you say you never you're ne- you never assume mm. but he goes I assume that you want to win and I assume that you want to improve mm. you know what I mean mm. and uh, that I think those are valid assumptions as a coach. And I think that's how Belichick does. He assumes you, you know, you want to win. He assumes you want to improve. And if you don't want to do that, then he's fine with showing you the door. Sure. And he, he's taken that organization has taken a lot of no names or people on their second or third chance. And they've came with that mentality that I want to win. I, I want to do the Patriot way, if you will. Sure. And they'll, they'll work it. And he's got team leaders that, uh, which always helps when you got a core of, uh, of team leaders that, uh, are, there's no getting around, what the team expects out of you. So either, either comply and get with the program or move on. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I like his quote, uh, do your job. That's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Do your job. Exactly. Don't be outworked. Don't be outworked. Uh, all right, Steve, that's going to end, end the question segments. Um, uh, my only role only requires when I, when I, when I host, uh, that I, um, I go over an extreme ownership, uh, principle. Um, I, I pick one out and I, I bring it, to the, uh, to the guest. Um, so this episode, I picked out the extreme ownership principle plan. Um, I read from the book, page 204, extreme ownership written by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Uh, here we go. Once again, that's plan. Here's the principle. What's the mission? Planning begins with the mission analysis. Leaders must identify clear directives for the team. Once they themselves understand the mission, they can impart this knowledge to their key leaders and frontline troops tasked with executing the mission. A broad and ambiguous mission results in lack of focus and effective execution and mission creep. To prevent this, the mission must be carefully refined and simplified simplified so that it is explicitly clear and specifically focused to achieve the greater strategic vision for which the part, excuse me, for which that mission is a part. Steve, we're at the uh, the airport Sunday, coming home from Montana. We're sitting at our terminal, we're waiting. Dan is looking at his phone, reading Portland's uh, rules. You and him are already going over the plan, right? You're setting it out for the team. You're getting the mentality ready. Once you guys have established a plan, there's a certain event you guys talk about. I'm not giving it away. It's, it's all strategy from here. But 
the principle is you guys are already talking about a plan. You guys are key leaders. You, Cole, Dan, are all talking about this plan and how you're going to execute it. You guys identified that once you have a good plan, the rest is just execution. Right, right, but be flexible. That's what I keep because, uh, yeah, the the general uh, guidelines of what we're reading uh, is uh, it's going to be close, but it's going to change. So you have to have that ability on game day when things change, not to let it affect you. You know, you just have to, you have to take the new game plan and right on the spot, you got to come up with the new game. And it's, and it's pretty, pretty common that, uh, that we're changing things. But for the most part, you guys are, you're, for the most part, we have an idea, a plan, but yeah. I always, I don't encourage getting too, you know, get too committed a hundred percent to what we're going to do because typically something changes the next day. I think in this last one, like, I mean, who could anticipate uh, not having any bags or some of the things that we had to overcome? So it just changed some, but for the most part, but. Uh, right, but you, you'll, you'll plan, you'll adapt, and you'll replan. Correct. Yeah, exactly. It's the plan. Exactly. Work the plan until you got to adjust it and yes. then make a new plan. And that's what you guys do. You guys have done right. it on the spot. Typically, you go out the day before, you look at the pole yard, right. you establish what, what the events are. Game day, like you said, you're there, you're working things out. New plan, and I because no I've seen it before, and I, and it's I've I've had situations where the plan changed, and either myself or it could be my teammates can't overcome it. They get so obsessed with the plan changing that it affects their ability to perform. Sure. So that's a reason I I've, I'm I'm big on coaching that we're gonna we're gonna make a preliminary plan subject to change. Perfect. Just, uh, and, and then when we do change it, buy into it and execute it. Not so. And, and, and I like that, um, in my, the teams that can't cope and adjust, we have an advantage over them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not mentally ready to, to do what they need to do. So. Well said. It's an advantage for us. Steve, that's all I got. Yeah. You, you did great. We're almost at two and a half hours. Wow. Goes by fast, huh? Yeah, it sure does. We, we barely, I mean, you're talking about. I think I only lost my place two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, like I had it and then it was gone, you know, so. You did great. No, it's, it's challenging and I appreciate yeah. you sharing your message, uh, getting a glimpse of what your experience is, is, is like. Um, and I want to thank you personally for, for coming on and, and sharing that. Um, I know you're excited about your new, your new journey here at Sturgeon Lecture, California. Uh, I'm excited to watch you, Dan. Cole, Hugh, compete, um, and I appreciate you, everything you've given to this trade you've given to me. Like I said, you're a mentor, you're a friend, um, and, and thank you. And, and again, thank you to Raul, thank you to Sturgeon Electric, NYR Group, Local 47. It's always just been uh, so supportive. And uh, again, you know, the, just the fact that you guys, you wanted, you wanted me here. That was huge for me, you know, um, and I I again, thank you. Well, you're off the market. Put that out there. You're off the market. Not a, not a, yeah, we're not gonna let go of you. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Did I miss anything? Is there anything you want to make mention of? No, I think uh, we covered. You know, we covered career, family, um, rodeo, 
the questions. You know, thank you for guiding me on that coffee question. I guess I got a, I, I went to health instead of rodeo. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's all, it's all fun. Uh, I, yeah. I liked, I liked um, both answers. I, yeah. And I hope I, you know, of course, you know, you, it comes across. I, I love the trade. I love my family more and I'm very, very proud and blessed to, uh, for everything that's come my way in this lifetime. Very blessed. For sure. Thank you. Um, I, I want to make it known if anyone's in, in our workforce, the Sturgill Electric California workforce or MYR group, uh, you can reach out to Steve. Obviously you have that, that, that ability to connect. Uh, but we did set up Steve with a LinkedIn. So if you are outside of the community, um, our workforce community, then you can reach out to him. You can ask him a question. You can, can connect with them. Uh, I'm getting Steve a, a float on that. You can uh, reach out to him and, and, uh, Ask him whatever you want. He's, he's a great resource to have, and um, he's, he's always happy to share. Uh, once again, th- thank you, Steve. I'll oh, thank you. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Episode 20. Uh, I want to thank our promotional partners, Jelco Safety, Working Athlete, Klein Tools, Co-Eyewear, LineWise, um, and our rodeo partners, Ariat and Dragonware FR. You guys have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Steve Leckfold, episode 20. Power Element Podcast. Catch you on the next one.